Full Court Fits is The Ringer's new weekly NBA video series hosted by Big Waz, a.k.a. Wozni Lambre. Each week, we take you around the world of NBA fashion and share can't-miss style choices from your favorite players and keep you up to date on the latest news and releases in sneaker culture. Waz also talks to experts like Damian Lillard's personal stylists to give you behind-the-scenes looks at how the NBA's biggest stars choose their outfits. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed to The Ringer's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer so you never miss an episode. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really. The only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. The BS Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and FanDuel, as well as The Ringer and The Ringer Podcast Network. If you're getting ready for your fantasy football draft, I would highly encourage you to check out The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Craig Horlbeck, Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, they are crushing it right now. They're, I think they did a their favorite targets episode uh, was the most recent one that goes up. But they are going under the hood, telling you who to who to gravitate to, who to avoid. That's been a really good growing podcast for us. So very excited for that. Those are good guys. Excited for them. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk to Peter Schrager about the eight teams that could win the Super Bowl this year, and then who might make a leap going deep dive, doing some gambling odds, all that kind of stuff. And then my daughter comes on for a summer edition of Team Patrol. But really, because we're launching a new segment on this podcast called 12 Minute Recaps, uh, I am working on the title, 12 Minute TV Recaps, 12 Minute TV. I don't know what it's going to be, but uh, quick recaps of shows I'm watching. I think I'm going to do it on the Tuesday shows. First one we're doing is Outer Banks. Easily the most ridiculous show I've seen in a couple years. And of course, I ate up every second of it. So I'm going to talk about uh, what I thought the 15 most ridiculous moments of the first two seasons were and bounce them off my my daughter. So that is all happening. Uh, it's all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this Tuesday afternoon. Peter Schrager is here. You see him on Good Morning Football. He's going to be on the Fox NFL coverage. He just did Flying Coach Season 2 with Sean McVay. Critically acclaimed. What, eight coaches appeared on that pod? 
We did eight head coaches. We did one defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. And then we had a two-parter with Troy Aikman, which, Bill, was my favorite. Oh, Aikman, mm. just completely unfiltered. I loved it. Yeah. It was great. Who knew? Um, <laughs> yeah, and then McVay planted the seeds for if he ever wants to go into media, it'll be an easy jump for him. Um, we have football coming. Oh my God. I don't know if you heard. Let's go. I did all my homework. I was in Hawaii. I have this whole process. I was telling you before we went on, you got you kind of have to relearn the league, but um, you're going to be coming on the podcast on Thursday. So we're going to do a million dollar picks coming off um, just an incredibly successful run that we had that uh, America's still talking about all these months later. They're just like, were you there? Remember when? <laughs> if we talk about this 30 years from now. Man we're walking try to on keep the moon. Going. Yeah. yeah. We'll try to keep it going. We're going to talk today on today's pod just because this is the perfect time to talk about stuff like who's going to win the Super Bowl? Who are the sleepers? Whose win-loss total is way too low? Things like that. And I'm going to start here. I have a theory that uh, carefully crafted from the mid-2000s that basically in the NFL, every year, somewhere between six to eight teams really could have won the Super Bowl. Right. And it's, and it's somewhere in that range. Sometimes the right team wins. Sometimes we have those seasons where it's like a couple of different teams could have won. There's some breaks, but usually it's that circle. So let's extend it. We'll say eight teams. Okay. So I want to go in and try to figure out right now <laughs> who's in it. your circle. Who are your eight? I'm going to give you mine. My eight. I definitely have Buffalo and Cleveland. Okay. You're in on those two teams. Before we I'm, even get into the next team, those are the those are the teams this summer. Every summer, there's the two teams that everyone says, like, all right, they got to this point. They're going to get over the hump. They got better. They added X, Y, and Z. Those you're in. All right, you know what? Let's let's. I was going to do all eight, but let's we'll take them two at a time, one at a time, whatever. The re, so Buffalo is twelve to one to win the uh, to win the Super Bowl on FanDuel. Cleveland sixteen to one. They pass a couple tests for me, but it both ways, right? They they got a taste last year. They 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 dipped their foot in the playoff pond. <laughs> they even both teams I think could have looked back and said, "Oh man, if we had done this, if we if that guy hadn't been injured, whatever." I think Cleveland probably has more regrets over how it played out. Um, there's a lot of talent there. Things have kind of moved toward this is the season in a lot of ways for both of them. Cap draft picks they made, um, some contract luck. Baker's extension is coming. Josh mm-hmm. Allen's extension is coming. But right now they're on the rookie contracts. And it just seems like those are the safest bets. Now, some people listening to this would be like, well, wait, why, the Chiefs, Mahomes, the Chiefs should be the safest bet every year. I don't think that's the case. I actually think Buffalo and Cleveland has have as good of a chance to win. And I think, you know, I, I have some questions about Casey, which we'll get into. But do you agree those are the two? Yeah. Buffalo... Gave Allen the contract. He signed a monster contract extension. So they got theirs out of the way and they've been adjusting for the last three years with their salary cap to allow that. So they got that done. But what they did in the draft, and I always appreciate this, and I think the Packers did this back in the mid-2000s when Randy Moss would torch him. They just would draft corners, first round, second round, third round. Buffalo drafted defensive end, Greg Rousseau in the first round, defensive end, Boogie Basham in the second round. And they love this guy, Epineza, who is a second-year player out of Iowa. He wears number 57, kind of was lost at times last year, changed his body. They think they've got now three pass rushers. And Bill, you nailed it. It's, all right, we have the blueprint with how Tampa got to Mahomes. We now know. You just have to have a lot of good pass rushers and try your best to to get to that quarterback. Kansas City beat him twice last year. Buffalo knows it. 
they load it up. There's no excuse. They are ready to go. And, you know, so many times is that it be NBA, NFL, you get to that conference championship game, you get the taste, you kind of know what it, what it is. Maybe it was too big for them last year in Arrowhead, whatever it was. They believe that this is the year. And I think Buffalo is going to be right there until the end. I'm with you on that. Well, with the Allen extension, doesn't that kick in a year from now? That doesn't affect their cap this year, right? So this well, is the last year where that doesn't affect their cap or did I have that wrong? No, how it all maneuvers, it's basically, it's accounted for, but it, the big money won't be coming into the yeah, future years. Yeah, it's much later. It's, yeah. it's in there, yeah. Yeah, and then Cleveland's in a little bit of a similar situation with Baker. Now, Cleveland, you know, they had a little more injury stuff than Buffalo did last year. They also, I think, were closer to beating KC than Buffalo was, but that was because they got this fortuitous injury in the game. But, you know, similar thing, right? I like the coach. Um, They got the taste. They have a lot of talent on both sides. I think when, even I was watching them in the preseason, it's just like, oh, that guy, first round pick, second round pick. Yeah. Oh, they have that guy. And uh, and it seems like it's all, plus you throw in the Chubb Hunt thing, which I don't think is sustainable for a third year. This will be the last year they have both of those guys. And then I'm not sure about their division either. You like Pittsburgh more than I do, but um, I think Cincinnati's going to stink. I'm not sold on Baltimore. And I think they, I think they can win that division by a game or two. What do you think? I think they can. And it's so weird with these new uniform numbers. I know it's such a minor thing, but they have a second round linebacker, Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa, who's going to be yeah. going by JOK out of Notre Dame. But he's wearing, I liked it. he's wearing number 28. All right. And it's so weird because he's playing like linebacker and he's flying all over the field and he's 28. I'm like, who is that safety in all these preseason games? No, he's a linebacker. He's awesome. They added Clowney, which is like a small, quiet signing. But like if Jadavian Clowney's one tenth of what we hoped he was going to be, you know, coming out of college in the first couple of years in Houston, that makes a difference too. But it all comes down to what this team can do in the offensive game. And it's going to be on Baker. Like, I love that Odell is back, but I'm not even sure Odell's the most important piece to them. It's going to be Chubb and Hunt. It's going to be Baker. I mean, Landry, Mayfield, Higgins was the guy who played really well in the divisional round, who fumbled the ball out of the back of the end zone. They like him. And then they like the kid, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's a wide mm. receiver out of Michigan going into his second year. Um, I talked to Stefanski a lot. They, they were very keen to like this summer be like let's let's lay low we're not gonna try to make headlines we're not that team baker like lay low let's be quiet let's not do anything i'll candidly tell you we had a near 100 percent success rate booking flying coach whoever me and sean wanted to have on would come on i've known stefanski for years we asked him and he's like you know i gotta be honest i love you guys i love the concept and i've listened to them and it's all cool but like I, the local media hasn't had a chance to talk with me. I haven't done a lot of national media. I just don't feel right. And we're like, no, 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 no. Like Tomlin's doing it and Kingsbury's doing it. It doesn't matter. Like this is very important year for us. I'm going to not do any media nationally. So I think they're like in that bunker mode right now where they know that they're that team. I like it. And, yeah. And they, I do too. Past the hard knocks era. And right? it's just, like, we're not trying yeah. to sell jerseys anymore. Like we've got Miles Garrett and we've got Nick Chubb. We're going to be in the games. Um, well, it's, all gonna it's, be like Baker. A, it's a coward. Coward has a good theory about this, Colin Coward, about like the less noise, the better sometimes. If I'm not hearing anything about you, that's kind of where you want to be in sports a lot of the time. And I think I think with them, that's a good example. Buffalo and Cleveland, just not hearing a lot, which I think is a good thing. And I think they, you know, you have the coaches that have now been there. Yep. So they've learned from their own mistakes as they as they head into a multi-year one, one arc with consistency the team. with with both of those teams, which I really like. Like a lot of times, these coaches get poached, and it's a brain drain. Like, oh, look, the the Browns had this great breakout year. Their whole coaching staff's going to get raided. 
They bring back everyone. The Bills, Brian Dable, who I think might have had the best year of any coordinator, interviewed for a few jobs, didn't get any of them. He comes back with yep. Josh Allen. And it's like this weird deal where you know the language, you know the offense, but then after year, after year, after year, it just becomes second nature. It's what McDaniels and Brady had. It's what Biennemi and and Mahomes now have. And I and I think both those teams, bringing back the offensive guys, bringing back those head coaches, and then having all the additions on defense for both teams, I think they're both going to be in it till the very end. Well, you think if you really sold on those two teams in some way, then there's some other fun bets you can do, right? Like <laughs> Allen's 11-1 to win the MVP. I love Allen for MVP this year. The Bills, to have the best record in the entire league, are 10-1. to Um. We didn't mention home home field advantage that last year you had this weird COVID year. This year, we're going to have fans back, I assume. Who's going to benefit from that? I have, I have two uh, two ideas, Buffalo and Cleveland. Sure, They're going to have sure. really good fan bases. And then you look at Buffalo's schedule, which given their, they were 13 and three last year, you usually think like, ah, oh, it's a monster schedule this year. Nine primetime games, 10 games against, nope, five primetime games. Not even, I think four primetime games. And it's the it's not a crazy schedule for them. They're going against the AFC South, which is, other than the NFC East, that's the division you want four games sure. against. And then they're going against the NFC South, which maybe just might be Tampa is the only tough game in that division, very possibly. And then in their own division, they have two against the Jets, who I think are at least a year away. Who knows with the Pats? And then the Dolphins. I think it's more logical for the Dolphins to go backwards than forwards. We we could talk about this later. But yeah, four, five night games, and I just don't think their schedule is that hard. So, um, I like that the best record. If you're going to go in on them, go in on them with the best record and go in for Allen for eleven to one. Because sure. if Mahomes doesn't win the MVP, I would say Allen is the next bet. Right? Who's you? Who else would you have there? Or Rodgers or Wilson, who are always going to be in the conversation. But like, I, I think Josh Allen is right up there. Um, the NFL does their NFL 100 list. It's always a good barometer of like how the players view these guys. Allen last year, I think was 87. They haven't done their top 10 yet, but he's in the top 10, Allen. Like he made that giant leap. He got paid. They've crowned him. It's a whole thing. I think Lamar got crowned and then maybe the last two seasons was kind of, you know, figuring it out a little bit more. Allen, it's like, it clicks. It's there. There's no questions. Like he has surpassed every hurdle and it took him three years to get there. But now I think Josh Allen's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And if the bills are the best team, there's Agreed. your MVP. Also better weapons. Yeah. And uh, the day ball thing that's got one, he'll be a head coach next year. So that's another big advantage for him. All right. So those are two of the teams in my circle. I'm putting K Casey is the best super Bowl odds five to one. I'm putting them in there. Obviously. Mm-hmm. I guess my questions would be, and a lot of teams have this, right? It's like, well, what happens if Kelsey or Hill get hurt? I just feel like they're relying on those two guys way more than they did in other seasons. They lost their receiver depth. All of a sudden, McCole Hardman, it's not just like, hey, once a game, just run deep and we're going to launch you a pass or we'll we'll give you a reverse. Like, you're actually going to have to catch seven, eight balls a game now. Um I don't like their depth as much and the offensive line for the amount of money they spent on it and the amount of capital they spent, it's still like pretty in flux. Like three of the guys are new and I don't know. I just think it's really hard to stay at the top in the NFL for four or five years, which is what they're trying to do this year. It's more likely to me they could take a step backwards. But what do you think? I think they were very deliberate in that offensive line. Like they knew that that's what was their Achilles heel in that Super Bowl. And instead of 
futzing around. They were like, no, let's go and rebuild it. All five. So they have three new players on this offensive line, but all five positions are going to be new because Remmers moves from left to right, but they've got two rookies who they love. Now we could do this with rolled eyes, but everything out of chiefs camp is that the center Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma has been incredible and that they've got a sixth round rookie starting at right guard. And his name is Trey Smith. And he was the number one prospect out of high school, had all this hype going to Tennessee. He had a rare blood issue that that was detected during the draft. And a lot of teams said, well, we're not drafting him. They took him. And the rare blood issue has not come up as a hindrance at all in training camp. And in fact, I've been getting texts and you know, stuff from guys there saying, hey, look what Trey did today. So they're really excited about it. And then they spent all that money on Joe Tooney, who was your guy in New England. So they like, we're very deliberate. They're like, this is what is going to hurt us and we're going to address it. But you're right. You've got a lot of questions about the depth on offense and how long can you ride that? Well, Kelsey's unstoppable and and Tyreek can't be stopped. Well, they were stopped in the Super Bowl. The question is, can any other team besides Tampa copy that blueprint on a week-to-week basis? Now, we know they're always going to be the hunted team. and I know their front office feels like they did everything they could to stay afloat and stay atop in the AFC and might even be better this year. But there's reason to wonder, you know, it's Sammy Watkins might not have been Jerry Rice out there, but he was a very reliable number two when they needed him to be. Their over-under is 12 and a half on FanDuel for wins. Out of 17 same. games though, right? Remember, it's an extra game now. Right, so that they'd have to go 13 and four. They're coming out of the gate. Browns week one. Ravens on a Sunday night at Baltimore week two, and then Chargers week three. Now, two of those are home, but that's like not an easy first three. And then, you know, they're, they're, they play the AFC North. They lucked out. They got the NFC East, but their own division, I think, is going to be pretty good too. And then, you know, these, these, these 18 week seasons, who knows? It's, <laughs> who knows? All that does is increase the chances of another devastating injury. Injury, exhaustion, like, ah, here we go again, another week. You know, it's interesting because um, philosophies are very different across the league on how you handle these three preseason games. I talked to Sean McVay for a while. It's like, you know, we're not playing any of our starters. You're not going to see Stafford. Um, Brandon Staley, who comes from that McVay camp, is in Los Angeles. You know, Justin Herbert played one year in the league, but he will not touch a football during preseason. Mahomes played 33 snaps the other night against... (laughs) You know, number one defense in Arizona, their starters. And like, yeah, Andy's basically like, we have a new offensive line. I want to see this offense start clicking. So you, that could be a positive and saying, okay, well, it's just getting the rhythm. Or it could be, all right, we just added three more weeks to the season on Patrick Mahomes, which is already going to be a long season if you assume you're going to the playoffs. And now instead of it just being an 18-week regular season with the three playoff games, well, now Mahomes is playing two preseason games. You're making it 24 games, 25. It, it's an interesting philosophical stuff. And like, you know, Rodgers wouldn't touch a ball. Dak's not touching a ball, but they've got Mahomes and Roethlisberger out there actually playing because they have new offensive mm. lines. They want to try it out. Uh, something about them. I, I can't put my finger on it. They also have the Bills in week five. They lucked out because they have the Browns and the Bills at home, which I think is helpful. But there's something about them. I really do think it's going to be Buffalo's year. So that's, that's how I have, that's three. Any more gonna, AFC teams, or is that the only three AFC well, those teams? Those are my three locks, but we'll litigate the other ones in a second. Okay. Tampa, definitely. Definitely. Tampa is uh, plus 650 on FanDuel to win the Super Bowl. The con- I, Look, we're not going to say anything that interesting about Tampa. The continuity is outrageous. That outrageous. To win coaching, a Super Bowl. Coaching staff, too. Yeah, to win a Super Bowl and basically, like, we're going to run it back. That just doesn't happen in football anymore. 
And, you know, the X factor is Brady's 44. And at, at some point it ends. We That's don't it. know. At this point, we've stopped thinking about it. We're going to be shocked when it happens. But a couple um, little little nuggets from their camp, because I talked to them too. And I talked to them earlier uh, this week. The rookie, the first round rookie is a guy named Joe Tryon out of Washington. It took him 32nd overall. And it's just another defensive lineman. And like, yep. that was the strength of their team. And one of the guys in their organization sent me a quote from one of their linebackers, this guy, Nunez Roches, his nickname is Nacho. And he's basically like, everyone thinks they're a first round pick. And then you see the first round pick and you're like, oh no, no, that's a first round pick. And that's what this guy is joining with Vita Vea and with Sue coming back and with JPP coming back and Barrett. And they're just so loaded up front that it's hard to think many offensive lines in the NFC or maybe the NFL can just handle that. The waves of just pass rushers every week. The other piece to it is they added a couple other players. This guy, Darden, who's a fourth-round pick that Peter King wrote extensively about in his article this week. But he's at a North Texas. He's wearing number one. He's going to be returning punts for them. He is a speed burner. And he had 20 touchdowns last year in college. And already mm. Brady's found him. So those two guys are new. And then they say that Winfield, the safety, is having like that Devin White offseason that Devin White had last year where it was like, oh crap, like this guy's, they think Antoine Winfield Jr. can be one of the best safeties in the entire league this year. So it's all positive. Of course, we can puncture holes and all those things, but they certainly didn't get a step back this offseason. The only variable is, of course, every team circling them on the schedule. And then the other part of it is just at some point, I don't know, does Alex Guerrero and the TB12 method, does it just not enough? I mean, it hasn't caught up to Brady yet. I, I don't know. At some point it might, but that's, I don't know. If it didn't happen last year. I'm not sure if it's going to happen this year. Very unusual lack of disease of more with this team. Oh, my God. Because they, they seem like a really good candidate for it in February, right? It's like, what are they going to do about these contracts? Yeah. And then how do you keep that? And it's just, everything's fine. Levante David took a deal that I think he could have made more. Shaq Barrett took a deal he could have made more. And then the crazy thing is Godwin's on the franchise tag, so we'll get him for at least one more year. There was a thought that at least one of those three is definitely gone. They're all back. Crazy. Um, there's... If you gave me this team's going to be better or worse than they were last year, I would pick better. Like if those were the only two choices, I actually think there's a chance. Their over-under is 11 and a half. Now, part of that is because like the week three, four, five, they're at Rams, at Patriots, home for Dolphins. Week 12, 13, 14, they're at Colts, at Falcons, home for Bills, then home for Saints the next week. So they have some tough stretches, but their division might suck. If Atlanta's not good, I don't think the Saints are going to be good. And then the Panthers, I, you know, they were five and eleven last year. They're not going to be much better this year. They, there's a chance they they go six and zero in their division. Yeah, and do you remember going back to like the Thursday night loss to Chicago, and they were throwing to guys that maybe there wasn't that chemistry yet, and then. There was that weird Monday night game where Brady threw two picks to the Rams, yeah. and they lost at home, and they almost lost the Monday night game to the Giants, like. That seems like it never happened, but it did. And then they caught their swag. They got they got fire. They started winning. They won seven in a row, win the Super Bowl. Like, there will be no growing pains this year. That's the difference. Like, last year, it was like, all right, there's an adjustment with Arians, with all this stuff, yeah. and Brady just needs to work out the kinks. This year, the kinks have all been worked out, so I don't see a slow start. I, I think 11 and a half would be... I'd be shocked if they didn't win 12 or 13 games. And the primary reason, and this comes from folks there, like, Brady won't let us lose yeah. more than six games. Like Brady will not allow that. So they'll win 13 games. Division is minus 185, which seems like stealing. I'll be putting that in multiple bets. Uh, before we go to a break, you were mentioning the Chiefs camp, your guys in the Chiefs camp. 
We should mention you're like one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, that everybody overpaid for Clyde Edwards Hilaire in their fantasy <laughs> draft last year. The blood was on your hands. Yeah. In my in my fantasy auction, Connor paid $59 for him. Yeah, no, Connor will probably do it again this year because I've been hyping him up even more this year. Oh all those God. Chiefs fans, all those Chiefs fans are like, what happened with Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I'm like, he ran for 160 yards against the Bills last year. What do you mean what happened? He got hurt. He's actually coming off a little bit of a, an injury now too, but he's going to be all right. And now there's no other guys in that backfield. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't trust your Chiefs. You really, you, you really hurt a lot of people last year. I feel like I you should apologize. <laughs> False uh, info, bad stock right. tips. So we have Casey, Buffalo, Cleveland, Tampa. I'm going to give you my other two. We're going to take a break. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident, and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Okay, coming back. The eight possible teams that can make the Super Bowl, in my opinion. I gave you Buffalo, Cleveland, KC, Tampa, which was none of those were hot takes except maybe Cleveland. The other two I have lumping together, San Francisco and the Rams. Okay. Um, some people would say, why not Seattle too? The Rams, I'll make the case first. You did a podcast with the, uh, the Rams head coach. So we're a little biased on this, but you, you know, when you're talking to him, he's, he's infectious about his team. He's so excited. He's got Stafford, but I, the case for the Rams is simple for me. They've mortgaged a ton of picks and a ton of time and equity and salary to try to win the Super Bowl basically this year and next year. And you, I guess you could throw in last year too, but they had some bad injury breaks. But really, this is the year. You do all these trades because you're trying to build a team that's going to win this year. So I look at the Super Bowl odds and it's 15 to one for them. Um, for the over-under for wins, it's 10 and a half. Their division, they're two to one. To make the playoffs, they're minus 178. I would be flabbergasted if they didn't make the playoffs. Now, the case would be their schedule there. Week three, week four, week five is Bucks, Cards at home, and then at Seahawks on a Thursday night game. Then they end the season, last five weeks, at Cardinals Monday night, Seahawks, at Vikings, at Ravens, home for the Niners. So it's not, it's not the easiest schedule. They do get to play the AFC South. Um, 
I just don't see how they're not a Super Bowl contender. Do you see, is there any alarms to you with them as a Super Bowl contender in your mind? The alarms would be that the depth on the roster is not what it used to be. Now, wide receiver, they're loaded. Quarterback, they upgraded. But the running back situation is a bit curious right now. We know that Akers had a full load in the playbook and there was a whole offense built around him. He's not going to be there this year. Then it was to Daryl Henderson, a guy who hasn't really had that season yet, despite being a very coveted player coming out of the draft in Memphis. Now it's on him. Well, he banged up his thumb. So we're going to see how he is. Like, that's the question mark. And then they lost a lot of like key guys, but they feel like they replaced them on defense. So you could say coordinators are both gone. Brandon Staley is now the uh, the head coach of the Chargers. That's a tough one. Morris, Shane, what, Morris you think, is going to be good, though. I think Morris is going to be great. And yeah. Sean, Sean goes so far back with Morris, they speak the same language, and the players love Raheem Morris. So I don't think that's that big a drop-off. And then the other one is Shane Waldron, who was one of their big offensive guys there, is now the offensive coordinator in Seattle. But, gosh, Kevin O'Connell, who's the guy that remains, is really going to be a huge part of this. And apparently he and McVeigh are having great success with Stafford in the room. So I'm Pat's, with you. Pat's draft pick, Kevin O'Connell. Of course. Great Patriots legend. And he's been around Wait. the league. He's been like a hot coordinator for like yeah. a few stops in Washington and, and elsewhere. But it feels like he and McVeigh are really hitting it off this year. So I'm with you on the Rams. Well, you just made, you mentioned the name. That's the biggest piece of this is Stafford. They had Jared Goff the last few years who they had to give equity with to take back Matthew Stafford just to stick the Lions with Goff, there's no way that's not worth a couple wins. And I've said it, and I think uh, I listened to the fantasy podcast you do, and Craig's been mentioning it because Sean says it, and it's not like he's saying it off the Zoom or away from Like, they might throw the ball 50 times. They might throw the ball 60 times. Like, that running game is huge, but in his dream offense, McVay has Stafford under the gun, just or chucking out of the it. Gun or under, just chucking it. Like chucking it. Let's go. Like, let's just light up the sky. Like he's it, at the line. He's audibling stuff. He's just, he's going, yeah. going, going. The defense is going backwards. One of the things that that LaFleur told us that, like, you know, I saw the twinkle in in McVeigh's eyes that like LaFleur is like, there's five seconds, and they call it the shot clock, which I love, but the play clock, there's five seconds left on the play clock. And Rodgers will quickly do an audible and LaFleur's like, what is he doing? What's he doing? And then there's one second left and he gets it off and it's perfect and they make it work. And like Stafford can do that. And yeah. that's nothing against Jared Goff. There wasn't that green light. There wasn't that confidence that he could handle that. So Stafford's like a coach on the field. He's 11 years in, he speaks McVay's language. I, I know a lot of people roll their eyes at the Stafford stuff. 11 years, not a single playoff win. And what's he ever done in a big moment? I don't know, but... McVeigh's banking on him, and I would trust that as opposed to just saying, hey, look what happened in Detroit. It was a pretty bad situation there for many years. I can't imagine how many coaches, schemes, coordinators, teammates. You know, I was, I don't want to say I was lukewarm on him, but at some point I gave up on him in Detroit as somebody who could like basically carry a bad team or a mediocre team. He had four different offensive coordinators. He had several different head coaches. But you think about the different offensive lines, the different wide receivers, the different... It adds up. And and he got the know, shit kicked out of him too, which oh, wasn't great. Beat up. And you hope that he's... That at 32, he's going to be upright and he's going to be fine and he's rejuvenated. And you know, again, all I could say is what McVeigh says. And, and he says that he's looks amazing. They're having a blast. They're having fun. This could all change week one if the Bears come and beat the crap out of them and McVay's in the dumps. Like, it could happen. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the Bears? That's not but, happening. That's probably not happening, yeah. but it could the happen. Bears you know? 
But all well, the other thing, the, what about the new stadium? We didn't talk about that either. That's another team that's going to benefit from the from actually having fans this year. They have this almost six billion dollars palace that really nobody has gone to a game in yet. For so, I just think there's going to be real energy around them this year. And even like the preseason games, and I, you know, the people that went to them are like, it was sick. Like I know it's yeah. the preseason, but like fans came out, and I know the viral video was some like brutal fight in the stands, but that's happening everywhere. The true story is that a lot of people come out and there's a question of like, are people going to actually go to these games? You know, LA football was kind of nothing in the Coliseum. The preseason is an indicator. There's going to be people going to these games and apparently the stadium's sick. I've not been there yet. All right. So I have the Niners as the other one. Fun team. I don't know. Like I, I when they're so healthy. You, I, I'm willing to be talked out of this because Jimmy G is, has been pretty shaky in the preseason and it seems like whatever they're trying to go for with the quarterback thing might be a year away. It might actually play out against them. So you could talk me out of this. There's a lot of injury luck stuff with them. There's some great schedule stuff with them. They have a ton of talent. They have good coach. Um, but if you want to talk me out of it, go ahead. I'll tell you what I know. I know that they do like Jimmy, but you're going to see Trey Lance. Like you're going to see him and it might not be under center for starting week one. But they are going to work him into the offense. Now, I don't know if that means 10 plays a game or it means two plays a game or it means 30 plays a game. But Trey Lance, there is a there is a piece of this offense for Trey Lance. And a lot of it is the stuff we have not seen yet in preseason, which is the mobility. All we've seen are these crazy throws. I mean, he's got a he's got an arm. He's got a cannon. He, it, it looks a little bit like Kaepernick when he cocks back and he just throws those bullets. Like he's yeah. such a big arm, but he can move also. And they're gonna use that in the offense. And for Jimmy. It almost feels like it's it's house money for Jimmy. Like this is probably the last year, I would assume, unless he goes on this crazy run and leads him to a Super Bowl. And it's an audition, and it's like he's playing carefree. Even his first press conference, Jimmy was cursing. It was like that's not the Jimmy we know. Like he seems like he's a little loosey goosey, not so nervous. And I think that Garoppolo is pretty confident that there will be a paycheck waiting for him somewhere after this season. Just go out there, play the best I can, and try to lead this team. The big question mark is not the offense for me because they're going to run the hell out of the ball and they're going to put up points just because that's what Shanahan does. He always finds a way to generate points. Robert Sala was a genius on defense. He's gone. So D'Amico Ryans, the former player for the Houston Texans, is now the defensive coordinator. It's his first time being a coordinator. Everyone says it's going well. He's got Bosa. He's got Armstead. He's got all the guys. He's got Fred Warner to a new contract. But that is a that is that is a loaded division, and that is a big responsibility for a team that is talking Super Bowl for a first year defensive coordinator. And we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So that that and the whole weird quarterback thing. My friend Kevin Wilds on uh, FS1 had a good take that I was jealous of, where he said, uh, "I think Jimmy Garoppolo can take the Niners to the Super Bowl." And you know why? Because he took the Niners to the Super Bowl. Like great take. It's not like he didn't already do it. But I was like, all right, that's a good one. Um, so would you put Seattle in that spot then? I would. If you were doing the circle. All right, make the case for Seattle. Seattle is 20 to 1. You want to talk about an under-the-radar team that sh that that won a division last year? No mm -hmm. one is taking the Seahawks. New offense. 12 and, 12 and 4 last year. 12 and 4 beat all these teams we're talking about. And then, of course, they started off hot. But it wasn't like they started off hot and then got bad. Their defense got really good at the end of the season. Like, out of nowhere, their defense was lights out. And Jamal Adams is sacking every quarterback. And Bobby Wagner looks like he's 25 years old again. Like, so... If they can put that together, the offense being what it was at the start of the season and the defense what it was at the end of the season, you're talking about a team that went 12-4 and four and couldn't even get it all together. I love, love, love the connection between Russell Wilson and the new offensive coordinator. So they basically said to Russ, 
and there's a lot of talk about Russ being unhappy. He had a lot to do with who the new offensive coordinator was. So Brian Schottenheimer is no longer there. He's in Jacksonville. Russ was like, I like what they do in Los Angeles. I like what they got going on there. He takes Shane Waldron from the Rams, plucks him from the McVay tree, which Pete Carroll has no real history with. And now he's the offensive coordinator. So they're going to run a lot of the quick stuff that the Rams did. Russ is going to use his legs. And I think they've got the best wide receiver duo in the NFL between Lockett and Metcalf. And then they got a good running back group. So I like what they've got there. And then their defense. This is the, the wild card here because you've got Wagner, you've got Jamal Adams, and then there's like a bunch of question marks. But they think this kid, Jordan Brooks, who wears 56, second yeah. year player, is, is as good as Devin White and those guys. And it's going to have one of the, and Fred Warner going to have one of those breakout years. And they've got all these big guys up front. Puna Ford. He's no Josh, Taylor. Josh Uche though. I love Uche. I do love he's Uche. Not, he's no Uche. Yeah, I love Uche. Um, but they think that they've got the young talent. And then Russell Wilson's pretty good, right? Like Russell Wilson at quarterback is the ultimate X factor. So I will not remove Seattle from that conversation, though I okay. have not seen anybody, anybody put the Seahawks in that Super Bowl conversation yet this year. Week three at Vikings. Vikings might be sneaky good this year on defense, at least. They might be able to run the ball, make a couple of plays. I don't know. That's not, I'm not saying at Vikings is an easy game yet. By week three, we might decide it is. Week four at 49ers. Week five, Thursday night home for the Rams. Week six, Sunday night at Steelers. Week seven, home, Monday night, Saints. So that's a, at, so paper, we'll know after those five. We'll know. We'll know. We'll know. And I, I, I still think like, you know, people roll their eyes and I, I feel like you and cousin Sal once hit it right on the money where everyone's like, did you know that Russell Wilson's never won an MVP vote? And it's like, yeah, but, well, who's voting? Who are you voting him in for instead of? Like, you need right. to, someone can, this might be the year where Russ puts it all together and is like, all right, it all lines up where he mm. wasn't in the top 10 for the NFL 100. He isn't being talked about as an MVP. This team is not being considered. This is the year Russell says F you to the rest of the league and just lights it up. Well, I don't know if you heard Ben Solak on the Ringer NFL show had a really good take on this new fancy Seattle offense. Because he, he was like, maybe one of the reasons what Russ was really good was the offense was kind of vanilla and then he could freelance on it. Fair. What hey, if and it's, that's fair. What if it's, what if the fancier the offense, the more constrictive it is for Russ? I was like, oh, solid take. I like it. I like it, Ben. Welcome uh, aboard. Ben, welcome to the Ringer. <laughs> right out of the gates. Yeah. Um, so for player props, uh-oh, that's not what we want. Season awards. I got it. Wait, wait, uh, did no. we finish our eight? We didn't finish our eight. No, did we? we didn't. I'm just going, I'm, you got me excited Russ. about Russ. 20 to one on Fandle Come for on. MVP. Come on, it's Russell Wilson. You like Allen for 11 to one or, or Russ for 20 to one? I like both, but I think Russ 20 to one is a far more uh, enticing one. Yeah, a little better value. Okay, yeah. so we have six. We have KC, Buffalo, Cleveland. Tampa, Seattle, and the Rams. We have two more spots. I'm going to give you the candidates. Green Bay, 12 to 1. Baltimore, 14 to 1. San Francisco, 16 to 1. The Chargers, 33 to 1. Ooh. Pittsburgh, 44 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. New England, 37 to 1. And then I, I can look up the like Minnesota odds or somebody like that if you want it. But if you had to pick two out of, out of those teams or anybody else, who would you pick? Green Bay for sure. Like okay. the way this all worked out, I was I had a lot of agita over it over the offseason with Aaron and he's not around. And then again, 
speak with LaFleur, speak with Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, speak with Joe Barry, the defensive. These guys are like, this guy's amazing. Like he shows up and everyone loves him. He's got the best demeanor and it's worry about all you want in April and May. The fact that he's there and it's like, let's go. And they just had inner, they had joint practices with the Jets. And we could talk about some of the teams on the bottom of the league this year. And the Jets are going to be one of those teams. You mentioned they're a year away. The, the, Pack, it, it, the Packers, it was really lopsided. Like the Packers' ones against the Jets' ones was not a fair matchup. Rodgers is dialed in. This Marquez Valdez-Scantling apparently has put it all Wait together. Wait a second. Rodgers is dialed in. What, what's your evidence? All he did in the offseason was he did dialed Instagram in. videos and hosted Jeopardy and, and showed caused up. like 17 soap operas. What is he dialed in for? He made— Because he, he showed up for the trading camp? He made life hell for those front office. They didn't have summers. It was it was every night, sleepless nights, all that yeah, stuff. What a guy. What a gentleman. He shows up, <laughs> shows up, and it's like, oh, well, that's he's really good. And he's, yeah. he's and maybe he's overdoing it and overcompensating, but he has taken extra time to work with all the young guys and he's done everything he possibly could since he's gotten there. I'm not saying he's the best teammate, and I've gotten a lot of texts over the offseason when we're on Good Morning Football in the middle of May, and I'm like, you know, they need to go hat in hand and apologize. A lot of old school football guys are like, F that, who is this guy? Like, it doesn't, no, it's never worked. This whole, you know, that said, he gets there and it's his show. And whether you like it or not, it's his show. And those guys believe in him and they know it's his show. So I, I think the Packers are going to be right in there this year couple, again. Couple red flags. Let's hear them. On Fando, the over-under is only 10. It's I think very a, suspicious. Ten, I, they're, they're I, not going to go 10 and seven. Why isn't that over under 10 and a half? I stared at that and I'm like, what are, I feel like I'm being tricked. What's happening with that? I think there's an expectation that because he wasn't around this summer, it's like that they like are going to be slow out of the gates or that they're not going to have it or that there's like some residual bad feelings. But I, no, like they brought in a really good defensive coordinator in Joe Barry. They've got a great scheme. Okay. Uh, red, another red flag. They play the NFC West. Okay, that's tough. That's the division I don't want to play out of the eight. And then they play the AFC North, which might have three possible playoff teams if if Pittsburgh's good. Sure. So really the only two easy ones, since he's the only easy one out of those eight, and then maybe in the NFC West, maybe Arizona. Look at their own division. Their own division. Right, so they get the Lions twice. Lions twice are two wins. Bears, I would assume the way that they've dominated them and the Bears, I think well, the is bear, twice. It doesn't seem like the Bears can block, which seems like I'm going to say that's a problem. Well, not being was, able to block at all. It was fairly alarming seeing Justin Fields' helmet go 30 feet in the sky, but that was the fourth offensive line, which we could talk about all that and why Fields isn't playing with the ones in preseason, but it, Matt Nagy's locked in. Trust me. Andy Dalton is the quarterback. Matt, Matt Nagy is locked in for me, Sal, and House doing first coach fired. He is in. That baby. is our lock in. Um, we also bet the Lions for four to one worst record. Did I tell you that? Lions worst record? What was the odds? Four to one. Jets might give him a run. And it's not that I don't like the quarterback. Jets might give him a run this year. Jets are are really thin everywhere and really young. It might we be looked Lions at or Lions Jets. with AFC North, NFC West, Green Bay twice. Like that could be 10 losses right there. I don't know. Anyway, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Uh not that it's a fantasy play per se, but they've got this running back in Green Bay, Kalen Hill, out of Mississippi State, who apparently is lighting it up in practices and stuff too. And they've got already Jones and Dylan. And I, I think this guy might get a lot of carries as well. Kalen Hill is his name. So like they're they're loaded on offense. It's Rodgers. But to your point, 
NFC West, the Rams give him trouble. The 49ers defense has given him trouble over the years. Seattle's given him trouble over the years. There might be some hiccups along the way. I was trying to figure out if Minnesota could steal that division because there's some fun wildcard bets on FanDuel where you could do basically like, I bet this team will, it's like an exact bet. I bet Green Bay will win a wild card, which means they won't win their division. And it's five to one. So it's like, well, why wouldn't they win the wild card? Because Minnesota would win the division because Chicago ain't winning, Detroit ain't winning it. Minnesota, their over-under is eight and a half, which is minus 160. So that means a lot of action on Minnesota. Um, for the division, they're plus 250. They have the same, the, the issue with them, the more I looked at it was they have an absolutely brutal schedule where that where it's just like, I bolded, look at this, I, I bold the teams when I think it's like a hard game. I yeah. can't say. I had... <laughs> I have 11 bolded games out of the 17 for them where it's like, oh, that's a hard one. So, and then throwing the Kirk Cousins thing. And, but I think defensively, they're going to be a lot better though. Yeah, they're much and, improved on defense. And I think Irv Smith is going to have a huge year at tight end and it's a big upgrade from, and I love Kyle Rudolph, but he's a big upgrade for what they can do with him. But the offensive coordinator is 34 years old. It's Clint Kubiak, Gary's son. Wow. And Clint, Clint's whole deal, it's not like he runs the, the, the Gary Kubiak offense, which we knew in Denver and all the places he was, Baltimore, Houston, everywhere. It's like Stefanski's his guy because they were together in Minnesota. So Stefanski's the guy who kind of trained him. And I think it's an interesting offense. You know, you mentioned the Cousins thing. I think you're alluding to the vaccination stuff and he might just miss random weeks and random games. Like it's a real thing. And yeah, I, I find the dialogue from some of these coaches um, really interesting. Like, you know, the Cam Newton thing comes out and the Patriots take the high road. They're like, it was a misunderstanding. And, you know, he tried to do everything right, but he didn't do everything right. And in fact, wasn't in the facility to take a test. And now he's missing a week of practices. And whether you believe in the vaccines or not, and that is for not this podcast, and it's certainly not coming out of my mouth, but there is a competitive advantage thing at play where if you're at practice for five days, your team is better off those five days than when you're sitting on Zoom or you're watching from afar. So there's always this dangling deal because Cousins has made his 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 stance pretty public. And you know, I'm not questioning his stance on that, but I'll question the competitive advantage that if he is to miss five games as a starting quarterback, that puts them in a tough spot. Whereas it is just a giant wild card for a team when the starting quarterback can miss a week here, a week there, based on whether it be a false test or whether it be a close contact. The NFL made the rules with the NFLPA. They're really, really stringent. So there is a very thin margin. And you're playing with a little bit of fire here if your starting quarterback could potentially miss some games if you're trying to bet over-unders on a team. I think it decided the Cam Newton-Mac Jones thing. I, I could tell who, you that. Who is more Michael Corleone than Belichick, right? And he's going to look at this and go, am I going to spend the next 18 weeks with, with putting my eggs in the Cam basket and then finding out on a Wednesday that I don't have them for five days. Now I got to rush Mac Jones and I'm just going to start Mac Jones. Now he's playing as well as him in the preseason. Anyway, I think Mac's going to be the quarterback. It certainly opened the door for Mac to take that job. And here's the other thing they're practicing with the giants. Mac's getting all the ones this week. This is yeah. the final week of the preseason. He's getting all the ones. Joe Judge knows Mac Jones from Alabama. There's a lot of like Mac Jones juice in this practice. I'll tell you, there's going to be a lot of love for Mac Jones. The entire Giants coaching staff is basically Alabama guys or Georgia guys or whatever it is, SEC guys. Um, and, you know, the like I said, the Patriots put out a statement when this came out 
and they said it was a misunderstanding. And I'll tell you this: in my thirty years of knowing Bill Belichick, I, I don't there think are it was no the Patriots. I don't think yeah. the Patriots had any misunderstandings on this. And dude, we we know what Bel- Belichick wants: consistency. He doesn't want drama. He wants day to day reliability. That's his, what that twenty been, years ago. That's why he picked Brady over Bledsoe. He knew what he had with Brady, and he's like. I think I can actually maybe make the Super Bowl with this guy just day in, day out, and I don't have to worry about anything else other than this guy. And he picked Brady. Nobody else would have done it. I think, wild I think Mac's the QB. Yeah, they just might not want to rush Mac out there. If they think Mac can do it, he'll do it. Here's, here's the issue, though. They spent $100 million on offensive free agents, and it's like Cam Newton's been here for a year. The guys love Cam Newton. Belichick has been over the top with his praise of Cam Newton. He looks good. He looks healthy as far as the shoulder and his throwing motion goes. So I think the plan is for Cam to be the starting quarterback, but this certainly did not do him any favors. And it would be a shame. It would be a shame for him because it was this great redemption story that, all right, Cam beat out the rookie and all this stuff and held him off. And it was his job. We'll see what happens. Quick question before we go to a break. What is a more likely scenario for you? Minnesota stealing the division from Green Bay or the Chargers stealing the division from Kansas City? Minnesota. I'm not ready to do the Chargers. First year head coach. Don't know what we're getting in that offense. A lot of new players on the offensive line. I might not be all in on the Chargers until I see them actually play football. Herbert hasn't taken a snap yet. I agree with you. And I think the case for Minnesota would just be, maybe it's nine and eight wins that division. Sure. Right. And with the both teams have really tough schedules, you have one injury that knocks somebody out for four weeks. And all of a sudden you have two teams that uh, with a week to go are both eight and eight heading into week 17. It's possible. Great fan base, great home field advantage and Zimmer and Cousins, though they might bang heads sometimes here and there. They've they've went in and beat the Saints in a playoff game in New Orleans. They've been through it. I could see them strap that is kind of figuring it out and winning nine, eight, nine or 10 games this year. All right, so we have seven teams for our circle. We're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to pick team number eight. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game, and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? little doubleheader, little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, here's our circle. Buffalo, Cleveland, KC, 
Tampa, Seattle, Rams, Green Bay. We need one more team. I think we should probably look at the AFC because I don't want to do three AFC teams, five NFC teams, unless you feel really strongly about no, San Francisco. I think so we're we got between Baltimore, two teams. Baltimore 14 to one. Chargers 33 to one. It doesn't, I, I like them more two weeks ago, but it's unclear if they're going to be able to block, which as no. you know, one of my weird things is I like what offensive lines can block. It's just one of my kooky, <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh 44 to one. And then I think the Pats have to be thrown in at 37 one, just because of the defense, they're going to be able to run the ball in their defense and Belichick. And I think they have a chance to be really good. I think they're going to win 11 games. I think the Patriots are going to be good. I don't know what we're getting with the quarterback, but you see the five running backs they have. You see that these guys, Matthew Judon. How about first of my all, guy Ramondre? Ramondre Stevenson. Oh my God, he's finally in shape. The guy's a beast. Looks tremendous. And then they put in J.J. Taylor, who looks like he's one eighth the size of him. And it's like they play the same position. It's crazy. They've got five running backs there. Um, Judon looks incredible. And he's wearing a single digit. He's wearing that nine, I think it is. It's and disorienting. It's, it's like so a quarterback plays, plays defense. And he's got these red sleeves and he's just everywhere. You're like, that guy's everywhere. So they're going to be... I'm telling you, good. I know people think I'm a homer. So people listening, I don't say stuff like this lightly because as you know, I love gambling more than anything. The Pats defense is going to be like potentially awesome. I think the one thing that worries me is if they don't figure out the Gilmore thing. Gilmore I think the thing Gilmore is, thing is the, that's the guillotine hanging over this. If he doesn't come back, I recant. But if he comes back and he's healthy, this defense is going to be awesome. Cannot say enough about the job that they did two years ago with that defense, keeping them in, I mean, they eventually, Tennessee beats them in the playoffs, but that team had no offense and they still found a way to win the division and be in the AFC um, playoffs. I, I do like that team. And, you know, Belichick redemption, like a revenge, whatever you want to call it, missing the playoffs. I don't see him missing it two years in a row, but Super Bowl, that's asking a lot with that quarterback situation. I want to quickly go back to the Chargers because their offensive line, they put even more of an emphasis on offensive line and they got Corey Lindsley, highest paid center in the league. Uh, they've drafted Slater. He fell to them somehow. They got, that was lucky. They've got Bulaga already. They got this guy they call the anchor who played in Pittsburgh for years. Like they feel like they're good, but we haven't seen it yet. So that's that's the whole rub on that one. I, they just haven't I haven't seen it yet with Herbert. Well, did you see the the coach called out to the lineman yeah. yesterday? Yeah. Where he yeah. Staley, I think, is gonna be really good. So that would be part of the case for the Chargers, is it's the classic. And I remember writing about this for page two a billion years ago. It's like the really good new coach coming in for the old coach who was pretty, I don't want to say incompetent, but not great. And just, it's usually worth four wins if it plays out correctly. You don't, you don't want to say, what you want to do is this, because it's almost like the Jets did this every other year. The Jets would have a hard-ass coach like Mangini, yep. and then they'd hire like Rex Ryan to like soften it up. And then they'd hire another hard-ass coach and, and Todd Bolt. Like, that's what it was. Because Anthony Lynn is the ultimate player's coach. Guys would run through a wall for Anthony Lynn socially and love him, but like, Staley comes in and is a hard ass. That's what he is. And he's, he's well, all business. they were also, they were seven and nine last year. It wasn't like they were two and 14. They, and they, seven and nine where they lost, had some dumb losses. Yeah. Terrible time management at the end and they rattled off wins. So the Chargers, they'll be good. They'll be better. Um, but I think it comes down to the Ravens and the Steelers as Super Bowl teams. And the question is whether you're banking on those two quarterbacks, can Ben, I can't, this, you're not getting me there with Ben. I'm not I'm going doing it. there. I'm, I'm not doing there. it. All right, make the case. I'm not doing right. it, but make the case. All right. Took this contract where he gave the team back some money and basically is like, I'm all in for this year. If you guys are all in for me, 
Got his guy as the offensive coordinator now. Matt Canada is the offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach last year and spent decades in college. He runs all that pre-snap motion stuff. He runs a lot of creative stuff. He's got this entire offense that Ben has not operated yet. And you might say, whoa, whoa, whoa slow down. You don't need that. It's going to make it easier on Ben. They mm. also have Najee Harris, who in fantasy football, we could talk about what Najee's going to be. Trust me, the way that they were talking about Najee Harris before the draft yeah, they were so excited about him. It was the one player that I could say, like, you know, they're taking Najee Harris if he's on the board. They did. Tomlin loves him. They love him. He is going to be a huge upgrade from the running game last year. Can they block for him though? That's the that's is the it going to be one of those things where he's just taking down Swallowed. three guys every time? That's the question. And they put an emphasis on it. Look, we know that Pouncey's gone. Villanueva's gone. They lost a lot of key players, but they they brought in some new guys. Trey Turner is one of them. They've got a lot of veterans and. I'm banking on the offense being good enough and that defense being one of the best in the entire league with Minka and TJ Watt and Devin Bush healthy and all the boys up front with Cam Hayward and, of course, Stephen Tuitt and the rest. So I I think the Steelers are going to be really good this year. I think Tomlin has them dialed in to the point where same thing as Seattle. No one's talking about us. No one's believing us. Guess what? We won the freaking division last year. It didn't end the way we wanted, but we won that division last year. When was year. the last time they won a playoff game? It's been a while. It's been a while. You know what they're over under is in Fanduel? Double digits, eight and a half. Get out of here! That's yeah. This is the Steelers. He, Tomlin's never missed. So basically, Tomlin, if they go nine and eight. You win your bet. Tomlin has never gone below five hundred in fifteen years. Like it's just not happening, and I don't see it happening. Well, I, playoffs is plus one seventy. So just to make the playoffs, plus one seventy. The schedule is brutal. I and I think that's part, that's part of why I was looking at the Chargers versus Ravens or Steelers because, I mean, I'm just going to read it. Yeah. At Bills week one. Okay. Yikes. Probably a loss. Raiders, Bengals home. And then at Packers, home Broncos, home Seah Seahawks Sunday night. So pretty brutal start. Then it finishes home Ravens at Vikings on a Thursday night, home Titans at Chiefs, home Browns at Baltimore. Mm. Those are their last six games. Mm. This is a team that completely died. I know. Fell apart. The last four weeks. So that that's why I just can't get there with them. But I can't really get there with Baltimore either. I might have a seven-team circle. Can I, don't, I give you an eighth? Maybe? Tennessee? Make the case for the defense because I it's the tough. defense was so bad last year. It really was. New defensive coordinator and Shane Bowen, he comes in and I first-year guy. I don't know if that's the reason why you would pick them, but just that their offense is really good, that they had a bad year last year. Vrabel's got too much pride for this team to just be a no team. Arthur, that, no Arthur Smith. No Arthur Smith, so Todd Downing's a lot, new, How many miles on Derrick Henry the last two years? He's like a car that yards. they're just driving back, back and forth cross-country for two straight years, basically. I worry add, about him staying healthy. Add Julio, Tannehill. They're what are they adding with Julio? They're adding nine games and seven on the IR. <laughs> what are we adding? I don't. I can't figure out who's going to win that division. I was. I have a bet on Jacksonville, at like ten to one, to win the division, just for the hell of it, just in case it's like eight and nine wins the division. We were texting about this. I think Colts are are kind of sleeper sneaky. You're just yeah. you can't get on. Wentz is just tough for you, huh? Well, maybe it's not Wentz though. Yeah. Maybe, I think it maybe will it's be. Jacob Eason. Eason or Sam Ellinger. Um, well, you know, part of the problem with the Colts is they don't have, they're not going to have Wentz the first month, right? No, he might play, dude. He you think might he could be play? All right. Okay. Yes. Because they be have right. week one, he might be all right. They play the AFC East and the NFC West this year. They go Seahawks, Rams, first two games. 
It's tough. And then Titans week three at Dolphins, at Ravens. Those are their first five. So if they don't really have tough. Wentz, that's Jacob Beeson. Could be 0-5. I, I, I gotta, I'm really monitoring the Chargers. Because I think right. they have a lot of talent. And if they figure out their offensive line, you mentioned all the assets they added, but if they yeah. can figure out just five guys. Derwin James think, comes back. They're good. They're good. And then the, then the Herbert leap, right? The year two of a potential superstar QB. They always, that jump is in the year two. Um, that should be something. What, what about Eckler too? They're is talking there? about Eckler is going to be like uh, McCaffrey basically. I mean, here's the thing with Austin Eckler. Love the guy. Had a great year when Melvin Gordon was out. It's not like this guy, it's not Walter Payton back there and everyone's telling me Eckler, Eckler, Eckler. Like, let's see it first. Let's see yeah, it let's in the full time role. Right. You let's know, see. like um, Arizona Cardinals. Anything for you? I can't get there with Cliff after last year, some of the coaching malpractice. And then yeah. the Kyler Murray thing, it's, can he play 17 games? Because he made it like seven last year. Yeah. And the, especially like how much his legs were so important to his success the first two months. If we're going to remove that in some way, I, I didn't feel like he had a plan B at all. Terrible division. Dolphins, I can't get there with Tua. He's going to have to prove it to me. I'm not against it. I just, I need to see it. Show it to me for a month. They're right? really excited down there. I mean, it, the, a good the preseason. Yeah, and the argument is like Chan Gailey was their offensive coordinator last year, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick's guy. And Tua was running an offense that wasn't it wasn't built for him necessarily. He gets in there now, and it's Studsville, and it's Godsey, and I'm not sorry, and it's Studsville, and it's why am I going blank on? I said George Godsey. I think that is who it is. And the two of them are co-coordinators, and it's like an offensive game plan built around Tua's skill set. And Tua's always won wherever he's been. It's if you're in on Tua, you know that you're going to be relevant because last year they won 10 games with Fitzpatrick. I don't think right. I'm in on Tua is the issue. I'm going to guarantee I'm going to guarantee the Pats have at least one more win than the Dolphins. Okay. All right. I'm in there for guarantees. I think I'm going with a seven-team circle and I'm leaving the eight-seed blank for the Pats, Chargers, Ravens, Steelers. We didn't really talk about the Ravens. I, that's another one where I feel like I've I've seen the movie a couple times. But great in the regular season. You're talking win totals. I great know. Great in the regular season. Other than Dobbins, what skills guy on that team do you love? It's Andrews, tough. I guess. It's tough. Andrews you is a love, great tight end. Do you love a single receiver that they have? No. no. They bring in and they, Sammy. Think of, all they, think of all the equity they've spent on receivers. Like first and second picks. I know. I know. And I just don't trust any of them. It's not their offense. They, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't, they don't need that. They don't need Bateman to go nuts. They need a couple of big plays from from Hollywood. And when Bateman gets healthy, get him there. And Sammy, that's three receivers that are serviceable. But that offense is going to be all about Lamar Jackson, two fullbacks, three tight ends, J.K. Dobbins, and they're going to just win games by time of possession and just running the ball. I do love Dobbins as a fantasy guy. All oh, right, I'm going with a seven-team circle. Here are my seven: okay. KC, Buffalo, Cleveland, Tampa, Seattle Rams, Green Bay. And we'll leave the eighth spot open. I'm going to say put Pittsburgh in there. And I will just throw another wild card team out there for you to think about based on the coach alone. Do the Saints not stand a chance if good Jameis shows up this year? No, I'm not putting Jameis okay. in the circle. Okay. Jameis, okay. Well, listen, the circle isn't exclusive. It's I not know. like the Soho House where it's like membership only. Yeah. Like you can play your way in the circle. No, But going it. into the thing, I'm only going seven. Uh, some favorite bets. Bills Rams was 47 to 1 on FanDuel to win the Ooh, Super Bowl. Like Browns that. Rams was 60 to 1. Pats Rams was 120 to 1. 
The uh, the Browns to win the AFC is plus seven fifty. There's a bet where the Bills and the Bucks each over eleven wins. Both of them have to go twelve and five or better. Both. I like that. Plus two thirty. I like that. I thought that was good. I was trying to figure out how could that get fucked up, and it's basically Josh Allen getting it's hurt. It's the only. Yeah, but the thing is, the Trubisky that I was the good. rare case of like. No, I like when teams sign backups that make sense for their team, where it's not That's like the, Joe Flacco replacing Jalen Hurts. Yeah, like, you know, it's the you know Mariota is there, and then you're going to sign Tannehill because if Mariota goes down, Tannehill can do what Mariota does. It's that same thing. It's yeah, Lamar goes down. Okay, we had they had Robert Griffin because he runs a similar offense. It doesn't have to blow up the whole thing. Like that's it's a smart play that way, and that is what that is. I, Trubisky looked good in a preseason game. I know we all roll our eyes, but he was the number two overall pick. New situation. If he had to go in, I don't think they'd have this massive drop off and miss the playoffs. Tannehill's success in Tennessee makes it at least not completely insane that Trubisky might be okay in Buffalo with like an incredible offensive coordinator and a lot of weapons and an offense built for him. A uh, couple more. We mentioned the Lions is four to one. You had the Jets. They're only two to one. And then uh, the Bengals were 11 to one. I think the Bengals are a sleepy worst record team because... <laughs> I love that topic. A sleepy worst sleepy, record team. <laughs> a sleepy worst record team. Have you read one thing about Chase that made you think, oh my God, this guy... It's like the opposite of all the Waddle stories. The Chase stuff makes me nervous. It seems like T. Higgins is going to be their number one guy. Burrow coming off the knee injury, which that's always a nightmare. And then, like, I honestly, I think they should have drafted Sewell. I just would have. I just Sewell's, would rather Sewell's have... Sewell's been terrible too this preseason. Oh, has he? All right, maybe they should have drafted him. Um, I, I don't know no, about Zach is, Taylor, but I just is, think that team might be a mess. I, I don't think they're going to the playoffs this season. I don't think they're winning any any division titles. I think they'll be improved if Burrow's on the field. That guy's awesome. He's awesome. I know he's coming off an injury, but a lot of quarterbacks are coming off an injury. And I think Chase will be fine. It's preseason. He's had drops. It's not like he doesn't know the route tree. He's just had a couple of drops okay. in the games. I'm a little worried. All these receivers are going to be awesome. There's going to be at least one no, oh guy out of all these dudes. Because it seems like Waddle's going to be awesome. Yeah. If and he the stays Jets on the field, he's going to be awesome. I love Waddle. And he's going to return punts and kicks, too. He's going to be electric. Um, Devontae Smith will be great, too. I, the Jets thing, I want, you know, this is not a negative on what they've got going on. They're going to be, they're not going to be good this year. So it's just like, I want to no. tell Jets fans this, like cold water, whatever it is. Wilson has a lot of things going for him. He's going to be awesome in the future. They know internally, this is not built for 2021. This is built for 2022. They're going to build and see what they are. But that roster is just not going to be able to compete with the AFC's best teams just yet. That's just what it is. They're too young. It's fair. Pats to make the playoffs is plus 125. By the way, people listening, I'll have lots more as we get closer because this is this is the key week for the preseason where I just think a lot of info really starts coming out. We start finding out like, oh, this guy actually isn't going to be able to help as much as we thought. This guy might be amazing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we didn't talk about teams that might make the leap. Yep. And this is something I've been obsessed with really since when I had my football column way back when, always trying to figure out who is the breakthrough team. Now it's become a science. Everybody and every pe people use the Pythagorean formula and, all, yeah. and injury luck and all this shit. And everybody kind of knows who the teams are and it's the usual suspects, right? It's like Atlanta, it's Denver, it's San Francisco. I always look at it like who can be a plus six? 
okay. from the year before, right? So if it's like a team that was four and 12, can they get to 10 wins? Like Jacksonville, I think could be a plus six and they might, they would, they'd still be under 500. Yeah. Um, I just keep coming back to the Falcons. I've been looking at them since last spring. What do you like about the Falcons? Arthur Smith. Okay. Incredibly bad luck last year. Yep. I think the Julio thing, there's some Ewing theory okay. possibilities with him because it's like, oh my God, they lost Julio. It's like, all right, well, how many Super Bowls did they win with Julio? Oh, zero. Okay. Um, and it's like, who's their running back? I don't know. Mike Davis, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like Pretty better good. in Mike Davis. It'll, he'll be that guy that he goes way too late in your fantasy. The fantasy football guy, the show that we had uh, on the Ringer show, they did a good job of breaking down the Mike Davis thing. He's going to play all the time. He'll put up stats. Ridley, Gage, Pitts, good receivers. And then, you know, relatively easy schedule. There, there's a bet for them. You can bet them second place exactly in the NFC South. So you're picking them against the Saints and the Panthers, essentially. Plus 250. Ooh. Second place, exactly. Uh, Falcons get a wild card, plus 340. So I think the two teams that you're talking about, like the jump teams, would be Carolina or Atlanta. And you have to pick which one Carolina? you pick. How come? Carolina has Christian McCaffrey, maybe the best player on offense in football, coming back full strength. Second year with Matt Rule. It's non-COVID offseason. And an upgrade at quarterback. They think Darnold is better than Bridgewater. So all those things, plus the defense coming together last year down the stretch, I don't think Carolina is going to be challenging for any division titles, but they couldn't be better than Atlanta. Sure. Is Darnold an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater? I think he is. Did we decide that? I don't know. I don't know. If I didn't think get that. the memo. I think that. Well, one thing with them, they play AFC East, NFC East. So the NFC South teams, like, I want to play the NFC East. I think the NFC East is going to be terrible again. I don't get the Dallas thing at all. Like Dallas, Dallas is over under. I, I, it's like people are on drugs. Dallas is over under is nine and a half. They'd have to go 10 and seven for you to win that. We have no idea if Dak no idea. has 200 throws in him this year. We, Not we to don't mention, know. is their defense going to be good? There's like, so many questions. What are we getting marks. from Zeke Elliott? Like, I, I, what is that team? They're six and 10 last year. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it while you were out, but did you watch the first two? Like, do you feel better about the Cowboys after hard knocks or worse? Like, it's one of those deals where I'm watching it and I'm like, all right, like, I, okay, like I, I, I think so. Dak seems like a great leader, and he's a stud as far as a human being goes. We can't. I, I'm with you on this one. I don't know what to make of Dallas. I told you earlier in the off season. I'm in on the Giants this year. I feel like this is the make or break year for a lot of the folks. The quarterback, the head coach, has to prove that he's got it going on in this in this market where it's cutthroat as ever. And Saquon's coming back, and he's going to have a contract looming in the distance. So I feel like the Giants might be a sleeper team out of the NFC East more than the Dallas Cowboys. I don't love the Saquon piece of it. I don't blame you. I, I see him yet. going really high in fantasy like lists and stuff, which I'm just confused by. I mean, when did he tear his knee? That was, it was not the end of September last year. It hasn't even been a year. I think it was week two or three last year. Yeah, it makes but, me nervous. I don't, well, how long do you need? Like, I feel like Adrian Peterson like turned his around. These guys do it now. And it's okay. the top fair. He's, they're, he, he's a they're freak. Plus, plus 130 for the division. Um, I like that. They have, they play the AFC West and the NFC South. Uh, here's the thing. They play the, they're at Washington week two. And I think if they win that game, I'd immediately be like, Giants win the division. Here we go. <laughs> Week two. I feel like it's between them and Washington. Right? Because Fitz will be fine. Fitz will be better than what they had last year. And their defense is still going to be really good. 
the Ron Rivera, there's some weird Ron Rivera stuff this year in his relationship with the team and some of the stories that came out. And, you know, I think out of all the COVID storylines, that's the one that I thought was the most alarming just for how it could affect the season where he's rightly saying like, hey, I could really get sick here. Like if you guys cared about me as, and, you know, and then we have, it becomes a, I know a hip I, thing. It's, it's just, I don't like that whole angle at all with them. It makes me nervous. You know, I, I don't want to talk too much on it, but like he did, he's basically telling his guys, like, I'm a cancer survivor. I need you to get the vaccine. He brought in, um, one of the scientists who helped uh, create the, the vaccine and happens to be an African-American doctor and was talking to the African-American players. Like, like, look, like, I don't know, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I, it's the vaccine. Or, and some of these guys are just like, I just don't feel comfortable with it. So he, he, Mike Zimmer, a lot of these guys were very vocal and pushing, but I also know a lot of these guys are like, all right, that was for May to August. I made my effort. I made, let's go play football. And okay. like, now it's time, you know, and I don't think there's any conflict or ill will towards the coach. Um, and I think Washington's defense might be lights out. I just have so many questions about that offense. I just don't know if they're going to be able to put up enough points to win too many games. Hot take. Is it possible they have the two best guys in the division, Chase Young and Antonio Gibson? You love Antonio Gibson? I, I do. Love I do. <laughs> I fucking love Antonio Gibson. I love that. I love him. I had him on one of my teams. Thanksgiving Day, just he another was, touchdown. He, he was a beast and they b couldn't even block for him and he had no quarterbacks. And he, he was like watching like the most awesome high school player on a high school team, just like crazy. pulling yards out of his ass left and right. By the way, you asked me a question about uh, did Hard Knocks make me like Dallas less? I have an announcement to make. I quit on Hard Knocks last year. Why? Why? No, I'm in on Hard Knocks. I help. I do. I do one of these like podcasts for them. For no, I, I get I, it. We're HBO I, I, guys. We love. We love. I know. Podcasts. No, 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 no. It's. I love the franchise. Incredible respect for it. I just feel like I've been watching it for 20 years. There are no surprises left for me. With get it. back it's, in. It's a lot like The Bachelor, where I'm just like I kind of know all the beats now. I get it. So I. I'm not saying that the show's bad or anything like that. I just feel like I've taken hard knocks for me personally as far as I could go with it. Let me make the pitch for this season. Okay. Whereas we know the beats traditionally and it's the seventh wide receiver trying to make the team and all this stuff. Yeah. This year, they're basically like, we're going to play the hits. It's Dak, oh. it's Zeke, it's Micah Parsons, and it's Mike McCarthy. And it's like, these guys are all under the fire. Let's go. That's and, pretty good. And we're seeing Dak go through which from afar, we're all trying to speculate. And it's like, all right, Hard Knocks comes out on a Tuesday night and we see exactly what Dak is doing and how he's doing it. So I'm going to make the case for it, but I understand. It's, That's fair. It's tough. All these guys are on Instagram. All these guys are on Twitter and there's 24-7 coverage. It used to be like, oh my God, did you hear what Rex Ryan said mic'd up? We get it every day now. I get it. Hard Knocks led to the first like real fight I had behind the scenes at ESPN. Let me hear Story it was the, time. the Baltimore season. Okay. The first season I, ever. This was when, you know, the, the writing was so traditional back then. There was like nobody doing what I was doing. And then yeah. eventually Ryan like Billick. blogging came in. Yeah. So it was like, it was just chock full of stuff for me to make fun of. And I remember Brian Billick in the hammock reading like yeah, success yeah, yeah. is a choice. And I, I, I just wrote like a really funny piece about how ridiculous the show was. It made fun of a bunch of stuff and they cut like, a whole bunch of stuff out. And it's like, well, Brian Billick might be a TV guy someday for us. So you can't make fun of him. And I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> what? <laughs> and we just went back and forth the whole weekend. 
And, uh, and that was what my life was back then. Just fighting for jokes for the dumb hard knock thing. Um, we, did we answer the question about who the leap team is? I have the Falcons. Who do you have? Giants. So you have Carolina. Giants. Carolina or the Giants? You have the Giants. Giants. Okay. Giants. Over Carolina. Yeah. I mean, somebody's going nine and eight in that division. Yeah. Look, if Dak's healthy, I sure, we could say they've got CeeDee Lamb who might be the best receiver in football this year. And there you go. There's your team. But I, I don't know. Giants seem complete to me. If Joe Judge is what I think he is, they're going to win games this year. Dallas not to make the playoffs, plus 128. Giants to win the division, plus 130. Washington to win the division, plus 260. And then Philly, who I think is going to, I'm just not sold on the coach. The, the coach QB combo is one of my least favorites. Um, and then their first seven games are just brutal. It's Falcons, you, we, 49ers, we a, Cowboys, Chiefs, Panthers, Buccaneers, Rams. We got a gift. And I don't know if anyone's, beyond the Philly market as, but like this Sirianni is a fantastic quote, a fantastic press conference guy between him and Dan Campbell. We got gifts this off season. They are both going to be great, great entertainers. I don't know if their teams are going to be any good, but they will be wonderful at the press press uh, conference every week. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, need it. You, you lost your guy, Nate Burleson. Ah, uh. it's what, like that, you, like the end of Shawshank only there's might not be a beach hug. They're real. I mean, all right. So he's how many years our, with you, Nate, five and Kyle, and Kay? Five years. Five years. This guy's in your life when you're like it's five in the morning, five thirty in the morning. Share a dressing room with him. We watch literally. We watch Everybody Loves Raymond every morning together on the TV. It's on TBS at five in the morning. That's what we watch <laughs> to get ready for the show. We're not doing all twenty two film. I'll tell you that. Nate yeah. certainly isn't. Um, but he's one of my best friends, and he announced that he's leaving to go to the CBS morning show and you cannot begrudge someone for taking that leap and doing it. But like, I, I'm busting his balls this entire week. I'm like, are you excited to talk about Kabul in Afghanistan? Like, right. And he couldn't say no. Like it's a, it's a great opportunity for him and his exposure. And obviously they'll pay him more, but gosh, I will miss him. And we haven't found a replacement yet. I'm sure they're working on it. That's not my job, but, uh, Nate leaving is a, is a major blow. And I, you've had this when you left ESPN for, yeah. for doing your own thing. Like you leave these guys and like, because of contractual reasons, you can't work with them. It's sad. You love these guys and gals, like the people that you, you like we built this show together and Nate and I have like inside jokes that have 13 levels that we just have a text chain with. And I don't know, it's sad, but it was the time for him. And eventually he was going to move on. And I, at least he's going up and he's not going down. That makes me happy. Yeah. It seems like he's ascending. Do you, do you know what? There's like lot, there's non-sports stuff that That's, he can, you the, know, be tapping into here. The irony of it is this, and you'll appreciate this because of how these, these things work out and it's kismet and it's whatever. But for the NFL schedule release, they were like, we're going to go all out this year. We're going to put Strahan on Fox and we're going to put, uh, you know, Al Michaels and Tariko on, on today's show and on Good Morning America. It's going to be whoever, Randy Moss and, and on the CBS show, we're going to put Nate Burleson on that CBS morning show for a day to talk about the CBS schedule. So he missed our show on May 14th to go do their show. And of course, Nate is like the most electric magnetic guy. I don't know what the temperature is usually on the CBS morning show. I don't watch it. And he comes in and he wows them. And they're like, wait a second, wait a second. What is, yeah, what is this? What is this? And this guy's got great energy and he's smart and he's funny. And, you know, it, it's... Some guys are undeniable in the room and like Nate can literally do anything he wants. So I blame 
ourselves for putting Nate on the CBS. Well, you, t- you don't let him do that. You keep him in a in a bubble wrap on our set, and you let him do it from there. But there you go. So when's the last him. show? Friday. Friday. This Friday, his last show with us, and then he'll he'll pop in here and there during the season. I think on like Fridays and do, do you stuff cry? On you, do, you cry. Kyle cries. What happens? Are there Kyle's tears? More, Kyle's more the emotional type. Kyle might break into tears. Um, I'm very interested on the, te- like, I don't know. It's the last show that Nate's going to be in that chair. And we've had so many hilarious moments and like life moments. I had a kid, Nate was sitting next to me when my son was born, you know, all that stuff. And then yeah. he's going on to join Jail K- Gail King and whoever else and talk about hurricanes and tornadoes and kids and vaccines. Hey, Nate, all, good luck, buddy. I mean, I'd rather talk about Chubba Hubbard and the, uh, and the Panthers running backs, but that's what he's doing. But yeah, it's going to be emotional out there. I think it will. Yeah, I had that when I left with Jalen and Jacoby and um and Wilds were just three people that were in my life all the time and then suddenly they weren't. You know, you're happy and, for and them. You're, you're right? still friends and text, but it's just like you realize like, oh man, we did a shitload of stuff in Connor too. But um it's just like these people that are in your life for years and years. then all of a sudden the switch gets flipped. And, you know, you and Connor go to war for 30 for 30 and you have all yeah. those stories and then you get out of it on the other end and you're like, it, it was brutal in the moment, but holy shit, was that fun. We're we're up at 4.30 in the morning every yeah. day for five years of our life on these conference calls. And, you know, all four of us, uh, we get along really well, but like, you know, Nate, the inside jokes, they go so deep and it's, we've gone out, you know, crazy nights in New York City, like fun times. And it's, it's crazy. It's a change, but I guess everyone says it's it's bound to happen. Saturday Night Live loses Will Ferrell. We could lose Nate Burleson. Like we can figure it out. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing that show on Friday. That'll be good stuff. It'll I'm sure you get a lot me. of we'll, special we'll things planned. And then on this show on Thursdays during this season, we will be doing million dollar picks. We'll be going for like, you know, that'll be a solid forty five to an hour. We'll really go deep, and we're going to try to. Uh, Try to see how high we can get that dollar figure, hopefully, and we'll have some good insights, all that stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Schrager, great to see you as always. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on, dude. I loved it. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay. That can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad for you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. 
you can learn how to set some boundaries, maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp, a convenient and flexible way since entirely online right now. It's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Bill Simmons. All right, my daughter Zoe is here. We are doing an end of the summer team patrol. It's a big week in our house because Zoe hopefully will get her driver's license this week. She has the big test. It's been an odyssey. You failed your permit test at one point. We talked about that on Parent Corner. Thank Sorry about for, that. Thank you for reliving that so well, everyone can be reminded about how I failed my permit test. Not like I'm embarrassed about it at all. Well, then you passed it. So that was good. Yeah. And but... now tomorrow you're going to pass it. You've been driving us around. It's great. And I just feel like it's going to be like sending a bird out. Sending a bird off to the world. Then, you're going to be horrified every second. What do you even mean? What do you? So you're going to be driving to get iced coffee. You're going to oh, be driving yeah. to see your friends. It's, what else are you going to be doing? Life is going to change. I'm going to be driving to do some drugs in a dark alley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hang myself. Um, so we're going to go through the summer. And then really what we're going to do is talk about um, Outer Banks, which you bullied me into watching. And then on Hawaii, I somehow ended up watching 20 episodes of it. And I'm going to give we're going to do a recap of the most improbable moments in Outer Banks. That's coming up at the end of this. So if you liked Outer Banks, stick around, um, stick around, but we're going to go through the summer. So some of the bad stuff from the summer, yeah. Billy Eilish's album was disappointing. It was a lot of, a lot of hype. And then it kind of came and went. What happened? I, I, I would say it's more than disappointing. As everyone knows, I'm a huge Billy Eilish stan. And just because I did not like her album does not mean I don't support her as a person. But the direction her music has gone into is kind of spiraled out of control, and I'm just not enjoying it. Every song on her album sounded exactly the same. There was no d diversity or anything throughout the album, and I just wasn't excited by any of it. It just was kind of depressing, and it wasn't... It might have been the wrong time to release it when we're in summer and we're all happy and we're about to start school and it's like this exciting moment and she releases this album that's like all wah, wah, you know? And about her like struggles with fame and being yeah, a superstar. Yeah, like, Not we, really relatable. No, it's it's not relatable for, for someone like me. And I feel like her music before she was all famous and these were her big problems, it was a lot more relatable because she'd be talking about teen girl struggles more so. Now she's talking about famous superperson struggles. Yeah, which someone who's famous might relate to, but not someone like me. So I just, I didn't connect with the album. I was disappointed by it. And then Olivia Rodrigo, who kind of took her spot and became the biggest new star of the year, but then now, now it's been oversaturated. Now you're kind of out on her yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, I haven't listened to her album Sour in at least a month which is a lot for me because I like to replay music. I like to listen to music over and over again. And I loved her album at first. You remember, that's all I would play in the car. Yeah. And I still love it and have a great appreciation for it. But this always happens with these internet stars and these new people that are in our realm. They get played. Everyone's obsessed. It gets hyped up. And then it just keeps playing until you hear it. And you're like, can, can we please turn that off? Well, it seems like there's no mystery with your generation. You can find out everything you'd ever want to find out about, about anyone someone. you like. You can listen to all their music on demand and you can kind of just rip through somebody in three months and then you kind of spit them out and you go on the next person. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I don't know if I like that. I don't either because there's, you're right. There's no, there's no secrecy. 
it's kind of relationships are like that. Yeah, too. I was about to say you that. Have a lot of access to whoever you like because you can all, FaceTime. Yeah, and text it's all and, out in the open, and then there's nothing left to find out. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling with Olivia right now. Yeah, sorry, Olivia. Well, Kissing Booth three came out on Netflix. Um, if I had told you a couple of years ago there's going to be a third Kissing Booth, you'd be like, "Oh my god!" I'm gonna, and nobody even cared this time. No, no one cared. You didn't even watch it yet. Everyone is, was afraid of it. If I'm being honest, Joey King got absolutely brutalized in the first one when the second one came out. Like people really just went at her. I'm surprised that she even decided to do the third one. I think contractually she had to. I guess, but yeah. they were really, really mean to her. These haters. Uh, it just bullying and, and Noah too. Noah part. took some stuff too, right? Yeah, or Jacob, who's the guy in there? Jacob, yes. Jacob. But he didn't he didn't get as much as Joey King did. Yeah. It was Poor rough. Joey Poor Joey. So that happened. Then Grey's Anatomy, which you you stayed loyally 15 seasons. 15 seasons. And then yeah. in fine, I don't know what happened, but you were like, I'm out. The show's stupid. Uh, it just it got so bad. Every good character got kicked off the show and it was just left with all these scummy people and then Meredith Grey. And yeah. that well, was really go. it. Well, now season 19, she's going to be dating the dad 18. from the OC. So good luck. 18, whatever it is. And then Kanye, you and Ben were all excited for Kanye's new album to come out. And then he's basically it's fucking been crazy. teasing everybody for a month and it still hasn't come out. Yeah. He's been saying Donda's coming. Good Donda's coming tonight. And then everyone's like, oh my God, Donda's coming out tonight. Like staying awake until midnight to listen to Donda. You know, your son a few weeks ago stayed up till 12 because he thought it was getting released. And then he was like, okay, let's wait another hour and see if it gets released. Did not get released. And that went on f until 5 a.m. And he was I like, like, okay, you, I'm going to bed. I like how you said he stayed up till 12. He's up till like three every day. What are you talking <laughs> about? He's always stayed up till 12. All right. So those were the bad things from the summer. The good stuff, your show, The Four Freak Show came back, kind of. Yeah, The Four Freak Show. We've covered this before. Just a group of teenagers who do Zoom meetings and put on these characters. They but, disappeared. There might have been yeah, some, cancellation some cancellation issues with a couple. Which were on on the bad part of the cancel culture thing. I think that was really stupid what they got canceled for. Anyways, they disappeared off the face of the planet. A few TikToks here and there from them, but really just it quieted down. And now they're back. They posted their first video all back together. And it it just felt so reminiscent. It, it was a wonderful feeling. Congratulations. So you have them back. You fell in love with La La Land, the movie. Oh, I'm so late to the train. When did La La Land come out? Like 2017? Yeah, it was It was involved in probably the biggest Oscars scandal oh, we've biggest. ever had. I, I remember and I was so upset because I hated it. And then I rewatched it on a plane, cried for about an hour and a half afterwards. Yeah, you cried. You're like a cyborg. Oh, I've never seen I you bawled. cry over TV or movies I or anything. I was really upset. And now I listen to the soundtrack every day. And it's, it's just, it's a great thing. There you go. The, the pandemic's really wreaking havoc in our house. <laughs> I made my first TikTok, which, which was oh a great God. thing this for your summer. This was the highlight of my summer, guys, because we know my obsession with TikTok. I opened my For You page. I see a DM from Mr. BS33 and I'm like, okay, what the F is this? And he's like, look at my TikToks. So I was like, okay, this is going to be great. And I open it and your TikTok was like one of those old, old men who are really creepy who don't know how to use their phone correctly. No, but that was that was the point of the TikTok. I, I tried to make it creepy, but then it wasn't creepy. It was, there was terrifying. Point. Yeah. It was wonderful, though. I mean, it was just... Thanks. It, it made me happy to another level. I was really happy I impressed you. Uh, you have some daily vloggers you like. So you're watching like back to school daily vloggers and yeah. makeup daily vloggers. What, just, who are the daily vloggers? I'm trying to get back into the school groove after being on a very lax summer. Yeah. So I've been watching Miss Remy Ashton, Alicia Marie, Caroline Manning, like a bunch of different people who are just 
the two of them are older and they're just doing their back to back to work vlogs. They're getting ready for Halloween. And then I watch a few teenagers who prepare themselves for their high school days, which I need because I'm not in used to waking up early in the morning, etc. So I'm just getting in the mood for school. Check them out if you want that. All right. Couple couple trends tips you you flag for us. Yeah. Um, first one, this whole 2021 internet famous people, people who became famous on TikTok or whatever other platform for doing mm-hmm. dumb dances or whatever, are now trying to cross over. We've seen it work in boxing. We are not seeing it work in music. People are trying to host things. Wait, yeah. is it so people I mean, are now using TikTok as a platform to spin off into other yeah, things? What's going they're, on? They're using they're using TikTok as like their homeland, their base, right? And then from that, they're trying to get promoters, other creators to become interested in them so then they can enter new realms of the internet. And it's commonly it's through music, like people like Nessa Barrett, Nats Lewis, etc., like Addison Ray, they're all making this music, which is trash for the most part. Nessa Barrett has a few good songs just about ex-boyfriends, etc. Mm. But I mean, they have a really wide viewing age, which is like from what? eight to 12, really. And these are the people who just chew up stuff like this on the internet. So their their music's getting a lot of attention. I don't know if it's rightfully so. But yeah, they're they're trying to But we won't be telling our grandkids about it. No, it's it's, no one's going to be talking about Nessa Barrett's song in 10 years. But the 12-year-olds are loving it right now. And you know what? If they're finding out what works for them to get all over the internet even more, then, then good for them. But it's just, it's interesting how music used to be so sentimental to people. And it's like, this really came from the heart and this is what they wanted to do all their lives. And you're speaking like your truth through music. And now it's just, it feels like music is. It's like a gateway. It's a gateway. It's like, it's not being used for true love or like passion that you have for it. It's just kind of being used to get more famous, which is upsetting to me. That sounds like our culture in general. Another. So you like Claro is. Oh, Claro. Yes. Tell us about Claro. She's my favorite right now. Claro is. I found her on TikTok originally, just her music being in the background of some videos. And I'm like, dang, I really like this. It's kind of an indie vibe. Yeah. I would say, but very summery, very happy, great lyrics. And I've just, I looked her up on Spotify after hearing about her all over TikTok. And she's legendary. Like I'm I'm obsessed with her right now. All of her music, it speaks to someone like me, but it's just very happy, uplifting, just great music. I'm going to see her in concert, hopefully. Another TikTok thing, because we talked about Bo Burnham's comedy special, but then that had like this whole weird second life oh, on yeah. TikTok. Yeah. So Bo Burnham's entire show came out. I had not heard about it at all. And then on TikTok, there was this song about Jeff Bezos. And I was yeah. like, holy shit, this is great. Like, this is a bop. And I heard it and I'm like, oh my God, Bo Burnham. That's my guy. That's eighth grade. I love him. Yeah, we interviewed then, him. You did yeah, a podcast with him I, way, way back great a few man. years ago. Great guy. But I heard that song and I was like, like, this is great. This is really funny. It's satire and people are using it in such interesting ways. And then I hear another song from him and it's just, it keeps coming and coming like White Girls Instagram, et cetera. And it's like, these are really, really funny songs. He's using this music type of crossover thing in a good way where he's actually taking his comedy and how he's a comedian, but he's putting it throughout music and now people are using it on TikTok. They're digestible bites. Yeah, exactly. It's like he's not giving too much. He's keeping kind of the mystery, which which I enjoy. Hmm. And he always has more to give. So love you, Bo Burnham. So he was a winner. Yeah, for sure. The show Never Have I Ever was your favorite. That was your favorite season of anything that came out this summer, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Outer Banks. Well, we'll get to that. But that doesn't count. Yeah, Never Have I Ever is great. I mean, I feel like some shows, especially nowadays with the writers, 
are unrealistic because they'll either try to be too woke or too unwoke. And I yeah. feel like this had a good level of wokeness while also being realistic. Whereas it was showing teenagers in like real environments, being in school, hanging out with friends at parties, etc. And some of this stuff was a little exaggerated, like the outfits. They can never figure out the outfits in any of these shows. They're always just bad and it's unrealistic. So that that was a downside to this what was one. The, there was another show you were going nuts about how bad the outfits were compared what to was what it? people would actually wear. I don't know. We talked about this before, but it's just... Yeah, these, it's a recurring theme these for These millennials or whoever writes these shows just don't understand the way that teenage fashion is in reality. So what's the biggest thing they're missing? It's just they're dressing us like we live in the 2000s, like the 2000s layered t-shirts and yeah. weird like shorts and skirts. It's just, it's not realistic. Like teenagers dress a lot more scandalous than they show on TV. And it's just... Yeah. It's or weird. maybe that's just in California. I guess it might be just in California, but who knows? But this this show's great. I I truly love it. I hope it comes back for a season three. It and you like the the Cruel Summer was another one you liked. Yes, Cruel Summer was great. But this was more of a murder mystery kind of downsider show. Like I felt kind of upset watching it the entire time. Yeah. But it it also was a good show, good teenage show, and I felt like they were a bit more re realistic with their clothing choices. And you loved White Lotus, as a lot of people did. Oh my God. White Lotus passed your test of take, I, take me to a tropical location, preferably just, a resort. And a murder. Like yeah, it and was, a murder. It's the it hit all of, your, all of your things. I really, I truly loved it so much. That might have been my show for the year. Season two. I like they, that we watched it together. Yeah, they, we did. We, we, we banged that one out. And then in terms of like teen trends, the biggest one that I've noticed this year that seems like it started in, in 2020, it might have been earlier, but... Um, these people who have parties where they have an Instagram account for the party and then you either get followed and invited to the party, but then you might get uninvited late and you just get unfollowed and then that's it, you're out. Yeah. Can you explain this whole thing? Because I was it's, super confused by it. It's weird. So you'll get a text from a friend on like a Thursday night and they'll be like, request August party 2021 on Instagram. So I'm like, okay, I'll go look up the So it's account. like a, they create a private, a private Instagram account, account so for then, this party. Yes. And then you'll request the account. If you get accepted, then you're on the list. They'll post stuff like the address, what to wear, the theme, like, et cetera. Everything will be on the account. You can't see it unless you follow it. So if they let you follow, then you're like, okay, I'm into the party. So then you kind of keep keeping tabs on it, like what you're supposed to wear, the address, et cetera, from whatever they post. But if you get kicked from the account, they can remove you as a follower. So then you just, the account disappears. You don't see it anymore. You're not going to the party. Well, couldn't you just go to the party anyway, or you're just not on the list? That's I almost mean, like you a could, nightclub. But they usually have bouncers or people there that like have the list. Somebody with a party. And if you're not on the list, you don't get in. God, it's, just, it's so different from when I was crazy. a kid. When I was a kid, you just be like, somebody's having a party. And just yeah, went. but this is LA. Yeah, but this has happened in other places, though, I think. Yeah, but I feel like LA is like the most prominent place that it's happening because there's so many different types of people. Like, we don't all live in one neighborhood. Everyone's from all over the right, place. Right, you got to try, you got to drive around. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's still kind of disturbing. It is disturbing. Um, You left your purse at a party. Okay, that this was... This weekend, and that yeah. was, I guess we could do Parent Corner right now. Yeah. Um, Top five maddest moms ever been at you. It was really bad. You, you just... You just make a lot of rookie mistakes. I do. I'm not a. I'm not an OG partier. No, you're just not. You're not. You're not street savvy enough yet. We're trying to teach yeah. you how to become smarter and street savvy. I'm too, I'm too savvy. trusting. You're in too the trusting. World. You're a nice person. I like. I like. So to you're look like, oh, at I'll leave best. this party as a hundred people at it. I'm just going to leave my purse in the front, and nobody's going to take that 
and all my stuff in it. By the way, we had to show our vax cards to get in just so no one clowns me. I yeah. Know so what? It, what? How does COVID factor into all the uh, the party stuff? Um, Not that you're like going to parties left and right, but you've, no, this you've is stopped this by was a few outdoor of them as well, just yeah. so everyone's aware. Um, but the COVID thing is, they'll just be like, you ha- you must show your proof of your vaccine card. Like you need to bring it and show the, yeah. the bouncer or the the host or whatever. And then for the most part, your part you'll be in. Most of my friends get tested before, including myself, just okay. to make sure. You know, got to be COVID safe. But and you're headed for junior year, which is the single worst year of high school. Everyone's been telling me this, yeah. and it just makes me more and more unexcited every time I hear it. That's but I so also, busy. I also hear that it balances out with the social aspects, so it, I feel like it should be all right. Well, you have a car; you get to drive around. Yeah, I, my life is going to change if I get my license tomorrow. I'm praying to God, I really am. Please root for. Her. All right, it's I, time. <laughs> Outer Banks. So I made my list. Um, so Outer Banks, if, if you didn't watch the show, you can just stop listening right now. Yep. If you did watch the show, we're going to start a new segment that I'm going to call um, 12 Minute TV. It's 12 Minute TV recaps. Oh, when I it gets that. to September, Amanda Dobbins and I are going to recap the morning show on Tuesdays every week. Oh, you got to you got to watch the morning show. Catch up in time for season two. All right, I'll try. Yeah, you like you like kind of bad over the top television. Oh, of course. You like Jennifer Aniston. You like Reese Witherspoon. Oh my God. <gasps> what? Yeah, That's yeah, like they're both a death on that duo. show. I love them. All right, so Outer Banks season. It was described to me. I still was on the fence, and then Mallory Rubin of The Ringer, who I love told me, you should watch it. It's like the OC crossed with Fast and the Furious. And I was How, like, that's wait, like well, a show that I, I would like. So I'm going to watch it. Before you elaborate anymore, would you say that it is like the OC crossed with whatever you else you mentioned? Fast and Furious? Yeah, Fast and Furious. I, definitely there's like, DNA does it, about Does it get that? Does it get to It have? steals from a lot of shows. It okay. definitely is like that guy Topper has been, that's totally yeah, that's, the guy that's in the OC. has been a million different characters. He's the guy, um, I forget, the blonde haired guy in season one of the okay. OC who was like the bad guy then became the good guy. But yeah, it's that karate kid, Johnny Lawrence yes, type. Yes, of course. They have that. They have the the kid who's from the wrong, the wrong, wrong side of the tracks or, or he's not, he doesn't have what the wealthy side has and you end up rooting for him. And then there's some class thing. Like yeah. they stole that from the OC with Summer and- Ryan, yeah. I made you watch season one of the OC. You did. Um, and then I like that we go into a world. Like, I don't know that part of Carolina, Carolina. wherever it is. Yeah. Um, well, I just don't know that area. So you feel yeah, like you're so in it. It's new. And, um, so I like that piece. Um, what's your favorite thing about it before we get to my things I'm going to pick apart? Um, I like that the entire cast is very attractive. Therefore, <laughs> it's like it's enjoying to watch because it's like there's no one that's I can kind of repulsive when you're watching the show. It's just like, oh, there's another hot person coming in. And then it's just like, oh, there's, there's another one. And then you're just you're just kind of having a good time watching it. I like there's some bad acting, which I enjoy. Yeah. I like the witty banner between the, the what are they, the pooks? <laughs> the pokes? Poops? The pokes and the kooks. Pokes. I like the, I think they have like good sarcastic banner no, with is. each other, I especially season two, it got better. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that the poke and kook thing is a little unrealistic. Oh, to say the least. Just because it's like, what? But I like that I could have it on in the background as I had prepared like all my football homework for 2021. Like I was never totally watching it, but yeah. it was on and I could just look up when stuff was happening or there was and a there's, car chase. There's always something happening. That's yeah. a good thing. Like it will keep you entertained even if it's unrealistic. Yeah, I would say it is the, whatever this generation's kind of legacy of the 90210 OC yeah. gossip girl. It kind of led to whatever the hell Outer Banks is, which I think 
It's not the greatest show in the world. No, but it's it's but very it enjoyable to watch. It's a and it's very bingy where it's yes. like you kind of want to stick around for whatever the next one is. Unfortunately, it's also ridiculous. Yes. It is in the running for most ridiculous shows I've ever watched. You don't, you don't remember 24, which was like 20 years ago. But 24 was like everything was in one day and it was this FBI agent who was basically trying to stop a terrorist attack. Oh. So each episode was in real time and it would lead to like the season. It ended up getting more and more ridiculous. As time went and on. And by because, season four, it's like there's well, a bomb in the White House. And, you lose plots at that some at yeah. that point. You're like, what can we do from here to make this entertaining? All right. So here, in no particular order, even though they kind of are in order, um, are the most worst? ridiculous things I watched during those two seasons of Outer Banks. Number one, Sarah, the lead actress. I knew this was coming. She gets shot. In the like third episode of season two, she gets shot like in the waist. It was like third or fourth episode by uh, her brother accidentally, which is also funny. Doesn't realize she's shot right away and it seems like she's going to die. They race her in the Bahamas to some weird doctor, this weird doctor character that emerges out of nowhere. <laughs> it seems like she's dead. She is dead. The she lead does. guy does, does JB. J- I call him JB, John J- B. John B. He John flips B. out. Oh my God, she's dead. Uh, he's kicking stuff. And then she kind of comes back to life. Yeah. It's like, well, she'll be in the hospital for yeah, a week like or recovering. so. Recovering. If she literally, she flatlined. And with my Grey's Anatomy knowledge, you can't really get up after a flatlining. Like that just doesn't, that's not the way it works. Yeah. You're being visited in the hospital for a few days. Yeah. At least. Well, she's back up an hour later and within two days, the gunshot wound, I guess just it healed itself. Is there, <laughs> did she magic, buy some Bill. cream in the pharmacy? <laughs> <laughs> like what happened? So there's there's chase scenes with her like two episodes later. She's running through the streets of Charleston um, with her gunshot wound. So I guess maybe they put some Kleenex I, in it. Can I hit you with a theory yeah. right here? People think that, and spoiler alert, the bandana around John B's neck, which his father gave to him, which he uses as like a reminder of his dad, whatever. The, people think that it's magical, the bandana, and that when it touched Sarah Cameron, she came back to life. And people think that... In later episodes, they're trying to find this cross that has this healing like power inside of it that this older lady's trying to find as well, who was feuding with the family who had the cross originally. Super confusing, but she finds the cross, opens it, no healing power in it. People think that John B's um, bandana is what was missing from the cross, and that's the healing power thing. So that's how the gunshot wound healed in that's nine hours? just a conspiracy. There's no evidence towards that whatsoever. But that's Can you not get think. shot by a gun because it doesn't heal as fast as it does? And stay away from bullets. Yeah, stay that's away from my, bullets. One of my advices for you. Uh, speaking of that, so season two starts with John B and Sarah have to escape. Yes. And they escape on a boat. Everybody just has a boat available to steal at any point. Yeah. There's just always boats around with keys and they're they're nice. They're not like just speed no, they're, boats. They're, they're very nice boats. Really nice boats that you can like even sleep in and stuff. Giant hurricane coming. They have to get out of there. Every, the police is looking for John B. He's been framed for a murder. They decide to go right into the hurricane. Just such a smart move, right? The boat flips and then it's like, oh, well, they died. We wake up the next day and they're both hanging on <laughs> sides of the boat. So the boat flips, they have life jackets on, I guess, but then there's this massive hurricane. They somehow stay on the side of the boat. They get on the bottom of the boat, actually. The 
the boat completely flips over. Right, that's what I mean. They're hanging so, to the bottom so of the boat. somehow, in that point of where they lost consciousness after getting struck by a ginormous wave, yeah, they're out, they they're have out time cold. To, to swim on top of the boat and still survive the rest of the hurricane without a scratch. It was really something. There's another one where they leave the Bahamas and they end up in Charleston. Yes. And then at the same time, the Pokes are there. The Pogues. The Pogues. Pogues. The Pogues are there. The rest of the Pogue squad. You know, there's a famous Irish band called the Bo- the Pogues that Jack really? used to love. Uh, the Pogues are there because they're going to see the cr- evil cross lady. Yeah. Who, I don't know if she's evil or not. She just really wants to cross. She might be evil. She's evil. But then there's a whole chase scene with them. And then John B. and, and Sarah are also getting chased. She still has by the gun. By different people. By different people. Mind. They She has the gunshot rune. They just run into each other. They just, they magically run into each other. Sarah Cameron and John B. have a, a tandem bike, which is so random. Who, whoever has a tandem bike with like a, another attachment on the back so people can sit. Just like the most, Sarah and John really needed that tandem bike for two people. But lo and behold, they run into the rest of the Pogues. Ridiculous. The odds were slim. So slim. Another odds being slim. Um, Pope almost died. He got stung by a wasp. Yep. By multiple wasps. By multiple wasps. And he was dead. And then he came back to life. Well, so, yeah. Allergic reaction. Went to allergic his, reaction. Went to JJ's sketchy, like, cousin's Right. So house. they ripped off Pulp Fiction, a movie you've never seen. They yeah. do the adrenaline shot. And then he's, like, totally wired. Ends up crashing their car. There's multiple car crashes on this show, too. So that was ridiculous. They they filmed Gavin's murder when uh when Sarah's dad and somehow when they took that evidence to the police no one believed him right they filmed the murder it's all going great they're they're videotaping it and then at some point Kiara just decides to scream murderer at, at the guy it's like why why are you heckling the murder like the guy's got a gun what are you doing so now they have to race out of there and they drop the camera and they ruin the evidence why would she scream murderer it's like maybe litigate that later i just she's known for screaming at the the most horrible moments possible and always ruining everything yeah my hot take is Kiara's a liability she's like they she'd maybe, be better off if she had the bullet maybe one. she's like because she is a kook she's the only one that's she's like a, a sa- she's like the mole she's yeah, trying to sabotage she them. is a sabotager listen she did so many dumb things in so season one and two that things. I wouldn't be surprised she, if she was she the mole she rides with with the pogues but maybe maybe she is yeah, the mole she's, maybe she's the mole uh Ward's fake death Word is Sarah's uh, dad, hey. who one of the worst actors who's been on these shows in a while. He was and on Jesse too. He played the dad in Jesse. He uh, fakes his own death on a boat in front of everybody. Then he just blows up. They blow up this beautiful boat. And this is how he commits suicide. And at no point does anybody look at each other and say, wait, are we sure he's dead? Did we find a body? Is there, why did he do that? Why didn't he just like shoot himself? Like why the elaborate yeah, why, boat? Why did there have to be an explosion? Yeah, why, just what happened there? No. Ward's dead. I can't believe my dad's I dead. didn't see it coming at all. I Like, that oh, was completely out of left field That's like for a me. soap opera. No, I saw a TikTok, which was like a video of the boat, Sarah crying on the beach, and then there was this, like, just video of Ward Cameron in a submarine. Well, uh, shocker of shocker, he's he's alive in yeah. the last two episodes. Couldn't believe that. Uh, not. Um, <laughs> another one. John B. got bit by an alligator, but it was a flesh wound. It's fine. 
It was the most aggressive bite I've ever seen an alligator give a person. And then he's, he's on fine. Top he's of the running target. around two, two seconds then, later. Also, what are the chances that they're like in this area that's just completely dry? But then somehow it becomes an entire swamp when tide gets high. Ridiculous. I just did not understand that. He bites it and it's like, no, no, I think it's just a flesh wound. It's like he he bit your he entire just got thigh. Like you by have an alligator. Ton of muscles there. Like I'm pretty <laughs> sure something terrible happened. Um so JB and Sarah, they go to the Bahamas after they escape the hurricane. JB. I call him JB. Okay. They go to the Bahamas and uh she uses her rich girl instincts. Yeah. Which um, I don't know how she figured this out, but she's like, we're just going to pretend we're, we're staying here at the resort. Um, it was. I've been to a couple of these really nice resorts. We've been fortunate enough to go. You could kind of fake it, but once it gets past 10 o'clock at night, you're not faking no, it. No. And then also it's like that Ocean's 8 moment where they take the like the stuff from the racks and they're like, I'm trying to return this, but I lost my receipt. And then they're like, you can't give it back. And then you take the purse. Yeah. It was like one of those moments. And then also unrealistic, they're sleeping on the roof and on lawn chairs. Like there's not yeah. security everywhere in a nice hotel. No, they like have that. cameras everywhere. It's just, it was ridiculous. And they're just navigating. They're just going to buffets. They're just really using, <laughs> using the resort. In like their they're dirty there. clothes. They, they rented a cabana. Yeah, they're wearing the same clothes for what, eight she, days? Sarah Cameron wore the same t-shirt for like seven episodes straight. Yeah. It's just disgusting. Ridiculous. Tough hygiene on this show. Uh, so we had that. We also, Kiara's parents, we should mention. Um, oh, just, just the only being... parents that we really see in this show who seem to care about their kids. Yeah. And she should have been grounded 18 incidents and episodes ago. Yeah. And every time they're like, last chance. But then they're all she like, steals their car. Yeah. And crashes it. Yeah. And totals it. But like worst parents maybe ever who actually seemed like they, they cared. They put her in her room and she just still gets out. Like it right. seems like they should amp up the security at some point if she continuously sneaks out of the house. Or she needs to go to like a mental hospital. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like maybe don't hang out with these kids that when you're hanging out with them, they're you're just getting shot at. It's I mean, it's just terrible absurd. job by them. The uh the unlimited access to nice boats. I don't yeah. know how it works with boats. I've never really been in the whole boat scene. In like but a harbor, I maybe, guess. Yeah, in the Carolina, who knows? But it's just like, I got a boat. But how do you how do you turn that on without the keys? There's no way that there are keys lying around in every single boat on the harbor. I just don't understand it. I got two more. So this is like four or five episodes in. JB's going to go to a foster home, it looks like. John B. Yeah. And uh, Sarah's dad who at this point knows that A, he's killed John B's dad. And then B, um, John B clearly knows something's going on with the maps. With the gold. And instead of being like, you know what would be better off? This kid just goes to a foster home and he's never seen again. <laughs> he's like, have a plan. I'm going to become your legal I'm guardian. Get Move you into my house. Closer. Yeah, and I don't want you in her room after 9.30 at night. Like and it's that like, would ever This work. is your plan, Ward, you and moron? How did John B not scope that one out in any way. Like the fact that it's weird that his girlfriend, who's not really his girlfriend's dad. They were barely dating. They were on like two I know, dates. And he doesn't accept a pogues, but somehow John B is just, he's the exception. Yeah. Oh, you've taken my daughter out for ice cream once? Come on and move in. I'll be yeah. your legal guardian. Absolutely ludicrous. And then uh, uh, along those same lines, they shoot the police officer who I liked. Yeah. The uh, The crazy brother shoots her. 
And then Ward and those guys try to frame JB for the murder. And then everybody just believes it. There's no witnesses. It's an airplane runway. There's no, there's no witnesses. There's no cameras on the tarmac. Like there's nothing. It's just, it's insanity. Honorary mention. I have one. Well, I have, I have one more big one, but go with your honorary mention. No, no, no. Let me hear yours first. I'll save mine. So they end up in the, in the Bahamas again. Yeah. On a boat as stowaways trying to get back the cross from Ward's boat. Now realizing Ward's alive. Who do they run into? The Bahamas girl with the bad accent from (laughs) the first three episodes of season two just happens to be working on a different boat. boat. On a different boat. They could have been any boat. And she's just like working on the kitchen crew there. It's like, hey, you. What's up, Cleo? Like, nice to see you. This show has more, I can't believe I just ran into you moments in two seasons than we've ever had ever. Agreed. Totally agree. What was your honorable mention? My honorable mention was when JJ has the escape plan for John B in jail. When he goes to visit John B, for some reason, he's acting like an asshole and the police still let him in to go visit John B in a room where they aren't separated in any way. They could touch. There was no officers or anything in the room. Yeah. They make this entire escape plan for John B where JJ is going to take his cousin's like emergency vehicle ambulance and then John B is going to fake having appendicitis and yeah. then JJ is somehow going to be the ambulance that picks up John B and they're going to escape. Completely ludicrous. John B ends up getting beaten up yeah. by another inmate that the that Ward Cameron pays a police officer to let them do. And JJ ends up picking up a cancer patient from a hospital and having to try and actually get the cancer patient to a different hospital because he thinks that he's the ambulance guy. Right. And on this show, the cancer patient, the probably the it's cancer just, healed 10 minutes later and he was fine. He was yeah, probably playing and, flag football. And he was just, the ambulance was ditched in the middle of the street and somehow yeah. the, the sick guy in the back just got, got the bum end. Yeah. It's fine though because we had to advance the plot with yeah, the ambulance. Yeah, of course. This is ridiculous. I think Fast and Furious crossed with OC and then basically having a head injury would be my review. <laughs> having a head injury. Yeah, it's like, it's a car accident where the show goes through the windshield and it's never quite the same, but it's still just keep trying moving. to, it can have a job like IQ standpoint, but that's it. I just was stunned by how dumb the show was and I loved and every minute of it. it. Exactly. Yeah. And I really appreciate you bringing it into my life. I can't wait for season three. You're welcome. What happens in season three? I think that we were, we were right on track with our maybe Kiara being the mole of the group. Oh, you like that theory. I do like that. I liked theory your magic. Your magic the hanky magic, theory. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if it's, it's already a hokey show, but bringing in the magic might be a little sus, but we'll see. I think that. Well, that this is be, a show with a giant gold cross. And yeah. That could be a possibility. Um, I holograms. Think Ward Cameron. I don't know what's going to happen with him. If he's just going to keep isolating himself on that island with the rest of his family and Sarah Cameron, Sarah Cameron somehow not going to rat them out. Yeah. I, I don't really get that part. Oh, we forgot to mention in ridiculous moments when they broke into the Bahamas house and all the security came and they all somehow got away. Even though there was like 12 and cops Yeah, there. John B., who has like an alligator bite, whatever, beats right. up four different cops who are yeah, trained for years. Ridiculous. Worst characters, the stepmother wanted more from her. Just yeah, felt, she felt like they could have been. I, I, I feel really like the other her. actress called in sick and they had to get that one. Yeah. And then I wanted more from the little sister. Oh, Wheezy? Yeah, like... Can you be more sarcastic? Can yeah, you be some like sort of comedic relief or yeah, be either funnier or be a potential 
danger once yeah. you get older where she, you might actually kinda, be out there. going to parties. Like I need some sort of vibe from you other than I just sit in my room and read a book. Yeah. Why are you on the show? Totally agree. This is the most ridiculous show on the planet. Why and do then, we need a normal character on yeah. it? No, I She should I have been like, had like a crystal meth lab in her bedroom or something. <laughs> the 11-year-old? Are you Well, insane? that's what I mean. this is the dumbest show I've ever watched. Have her be up to something. She should be making moonshine in her <laughs> bedroom or something. She should be up to something. Everyone on the show's up to something. I also think Topper is a pretty terrible actor. Well, the thing with Topper is like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? We like, don't know. What is I just have a hatred towards him because he keeps trying to get in the middle of Sarah Cameron and John B. Yeah. Well, then Sarah Cameron and John B. started dating in real life. Yeah. Can't tell if that was for promotion for the show. They've if that's been going genuine. strong. I really enjoy John B.'s like them. my age. He's like, isn't he um, like 49? He's Are you oh. serious? He's pretty old. Oh, yeah. He's playing a 16-year-old. Another ridiculous thing that the entire cast looks way too old to be 16-year-olds. They and do. With the way that our generation today is, I think people are taking that as like 16-year-olds should look like this. I agree with thing. you. I was surprised they did it that way, but all those yeah. actors are pretty good. So yeah. maybe that's why they did true. it. True, true. Outer Banks, available on Netflix. It is the dumbest show I've seen in a long time. Thank Don't you for bringing it, it into my life. You're welcome. It was really fun. That's it for 12-minute recaps. Zoe Simmons, good luck on your driver's license test tomorrow. This I podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. Thanks to Peter Schrager. And we'll be back on Thursday with another podcast. See you then.